I love Clinton. You love Clinton. There's a song there. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, January 31st, 2019. This is your award-winning Gibbo Nation Media Assassination Episode 1108. This is No Agenda. We're two woke white guys experiencing aging and broadcasting live from the capital of the drone, Star State, here in downtown Austin, Tejas, in the Cludio. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the polar vortex can't touch us, I'm John C. Devorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Sure it can. Polar vortex can touch anybody, anytime, anywhere. Well, it's a big dam that broke. According to the uh, global warmists. Oh, a dam that broke, no less. Yeah, it's a dam that broke. Well, before we get to that, I'd like everyone to know this show, uh, episode 1108, is dedicated to uh, the memory of Sir Greg Davies, the heavy metal historian. Um, He passed away a couple days ago, and I want to read a note uh, from his partner, Dame Jennifer Weida of the Gypsy Nation. Uh, John, Adam, and the No Agenda family, I'm deeply saddened to let you know that my fiancé, Sir Greg Davies, the heavy metal historian, passed away in his home on the morning of January 29th, 2019. The Barrett's esophagus condition may have indirectly contributed to Greg's death, but the most likely immediate cause was a heart attack, and he was only 41 years old. In his short time upon this earth, Greg was a dynamic force in the lives of so many people, many of whom have reached out to me since the news broke. From his hometown of Perth, Australia, to the UK, to all around the US, and indeed all around the world, condolences and fond memories have come in. I'm touched and honored by all of the support expressed by those who knew him, even if he was even even if it was only online. But the No Agenda community's support has been especially comforting during this difficult time. Uh, one of your producers had suggested that donations in the amount of twenty dollars and ninety nine cents be made to, to the show in Greg's honor. The reason for this particular donation amount is inspired by Greg's common internet handle, CGT2099. He had a huge internet presence and worked in IT, so it's only fitting that a memorial donation in this amount has been promoted. He would have saluted this with two horns up. Memorial arrangements have not yet been finalized, but his family and I have decided upon a huge party. Open to anyone who wishes to come. I will post details online once we have the date set. I know Greg contributed several jingles and pieces of artwork over the years, so can we have a 69 dudes and a Putin don't worry, be happy in his honor? And can we also have some <laughs> estate settlement goat karma? With much love and appreciation, Dame Jennifer Weida of the Gypsy Nation in Lawton, Oklahoma. Absolutely. 69 dudes! <laughs> You've got karma. All right. And he will be missed. Yeah, he, I believe he's the one who did the artwork for show, uh, the 10th anniversary show. There you go. Yeah, I, I emailed with him just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He was only knighted, uh, you know, just around Christmas time. Uh, well, fuck that. Sorry. Yeah, not good. No. All right. Well. Oh. Uh, oh. Wow. You just got real loud all of a sudden. What are you doing? Why are you doing nothing. this to me? Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy, partner. You back off. Just back off, man. Just a bit. <laughs> yes. Back to the polar vortex, then. Yeah, the polar vortex apparently is freezing everybody. I do have some weather reports, uh, including some that include the uh, 
Well, here, let's start with the weather, weather, weather. Uh, let's start I with I got the... bad weather, global warming report from NBC. Yeah, do the bad weather, then global warming report. Across the globe, the weather picture is one of fire and ice, bone-numbing record Ooh. cold in the Midwest, fire and record heat in Australia, 120 degrees and hotter this month. What that really means is that fires will be um, uncontrollable. They'll be fast-moving. And yo-yo weather cycles. After the deep freeze in the U.S., a 50-degree rebound in some cities within days. Hard to believe when you're frozen like an icicle, but experts say that Arctic blast is, in fact, further evidence of climate change. Uh. In response to President Trump's skepticism, the weather experts at NOAA tweeting, winter storms don't prove that global warming isn't happening. (laughs) Here's why. At the North Pole, scientists say the melting sea ice and ocean temperatures have caused the walls of the jet stream, or polar vortex, to break open like a dam in places. That has allowed... (laughs) Arctic air to escape, (laughs) rushing south into the Midwest. Not only is greenhouse gas warming impacting the planet, but it's really beginning to kick in, and it's kicking in in the parts of the planet that are most sensitive, in particular, uh, Arctic sea ice regions and the Arctic. You know, I just believe it all. It's fine. Perfect. I'm all in. Does anybody note that it has the elements of... You know, 1984, where good is bad and bad is good, and that <laughs> jingle we let you mean, to play. You mean Newspeak? Yeah, Newspeak. That's it. Yes. Uh, what, are we, what, what was the jingle we used? To, it's the oh, Double Speak is I think what we used to call it. And we had a jingle for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't that the same with just pretty much everything? <laughs> so that what what clip was that? That was bad weather global. Bad weather global. Hold on, here's the uh, here's the jingle you were talking about. It's the double double double, double speak of the week. The double 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 speak of the week. There you go. Yeah. Yes, I have horrible weather. NBC on deck. Twenty seconds. Play, yeah, play that. Text holds millions in a dangerous and icy grip. A blast of Arctic air sweeping across the upper tier of the country, now rapidly pushing toward the northeast. The weather blamed for at least six deaths so far. Wind chills are dipping as far as 50 below zero. So cold in Chicago that fires were actually lit to keep commuter rails from freezing. <laughs> you know, there was this story that uh, that happened over the past two days about this actor who's in the, uh, I think it's, what is it, Showtime or HBO's um, Empire, Jussie Smollett? Yes, yeah, it's a Fox. It's a, oh, Fox, what do I know? Um, so you just heard Chicago was 40, 50 below zero. Let's make it 20 below zero when this happened on Tuesday, just to make it easy. And he was out in Chicago in Streeterville, by the way, which is very affluent neighborhood, Streeterville. It's not, you know, the... It's not the. It's not the south side. It's not of the Chicago. south side of Chicago. Uh, Twenty below zero, and he's in a subway shop, and then uh, something happened, and they can't find any. Uh, uh, they can't find any, ev- any evidence of a so-called lynching because he had a form of rope around his neck. I'm thinking oh, yeah, guys with Trump hats. I'm, yeah, my MAGA hats. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's you and I let's just be racist for a moment. Hey, man, I got an idea. Let's go uh, wrap a rope around some black guy's neck. It's 20 below zero. It's two in the morning. You ready? I'm all in, you. Come on. Well, it's pretty sketchy, and it's a shame that he got so much attention. Let's, but back, back back to the weather, I do have one last clip, which is Amy, since she's the one who would promote the global warming stuff the most yes. on the vortex. Yes. 
What, what am I looking? Oh, here, Amy on the vortex got it. Back in the U.S., the polar vortex enveloping the Midwest is causing record lows across the region with temperatures in some areas, including Detroit, dipping below temperatures in Antarctica. The wind chill temperature in Chicago hit 49 degrees below zero. That's Fahrenheit this morning. President Trump used the extreme weather to once again deny climate change, tweeting Monday <laughs> in the beautiful Midwest, wind chill temperatures are reaching minus 60 degrees, the coldest ever recorded. In coming days, expected to get even colder. People can't last outside even for minutes. What the hell is going on with global Waming, he wrote, W-A-M-I-N-G. Please come back fast. We need you. Meanwhile, raging wildfires in Australia have caused record-breaking heat, bringing about widespread power failures. The science is in. Science. I do have um, two clips regarding this, should you be interested. I, I do have an actual uh, NOOA scientist who appeared on NPR, and I've chopped a little bit uh, of that so we can listen to the official explanation of the polar vortex and how it has nothing to do with anthropogenic climate change slash global warming. So that's unusual. From Those guys, they're all in on the uh, anthropogenic stuff. Well, maybe I'm just being facetious. So the point is that um, scientists... And-, and don't you love her already? Yeah, I do. I really do. She's great. So the point is that um, scientists in general have been referring to um, the polar vortex in the stratosphere, but because they cause these colder outbreaks in the troposphere, the term polar vortex has been somewhat adopted to explain this cold weather outbreak. Um, but it's really just a part of our weather system that we get. Sometimes we get these cold extremes due to these lobes of the jet stream that get separated from the main flow and, and bring down these very cold, this very cold air. Are you following? So it's really not polar vortex at all. This is, this is what piqued my interest with the cue. Okay. So here's the, here's the key question then. How related is the the phenomenon that we're experiencing now? How related is it to climate change? Hold on a second. Stop. So instead of listening to this this woman give us a nice explanation and maybe shed some light on the situation, we immediately jump. Yes. So who cares about <laughs> that? You. Let's talk yeah. about climate. Hey, hey, you're taking up valuable NPR airtime, lady. Get to the propaganda. Yeah. So. What's been interesting is that there is some agreement that over the past 30 years or so, the polar vortex in the stratosphere has weakened somewhat. However, what's less clear is whether that's been caused by climate change, in particular sea ice loss, or whether it's just some longer term variability. I love that the climate scientist is kind of 3% uh, uncertain about this. And that's a plus. One of the reasons that we wonder whether it's really forced by by increased greenhouse gases is because the climate models running into the future um, do not see significant or um, agreed upon changes in these cold air outbreaks occurring more often. In fact, they overwhelmingly see that we'll experience fewer and fewer cold air outbreaks. Okay, write this down. Write down January 31st, 2019. You heard it here. Less polar vortex in our future. Into the future. Fewer and fewer. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, yes. Can you help explain that? I mean, uh, to be yeah, can, can you get back on script? To be perfectly honest, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not quite <laughs> caught up with you on yeah on the script. Where are you You're in the script? I, I don't, I'm not quite caught up. I'm, I'm looking at the script here, and I don't quite see exactly where you are in the pages. Could you please, uh, you know, get back? These cold air outbreaks occurring more often. In fact, they overwhelmingly see that we'll experience fewer and fewer cold air outbreaks into the future. Fewer and fewer. Okay. Uh, yes. can, can you help explain that? I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not quite caught up with you on, on why that might be. So could you explain that? Yeah. So in general, the response to when you put more CO2 into the atmosphere, um, you're going to warm the atmosphere. And that's going to be true in <laughs> all seasons okay. and in winter as well. What some people have proposed is that maybe because you're also melting sea ice, that that can weaken the jet stream and you get some more of these cold air outbreaks. But whether the models just don't have these processes modeled correctly um, or whether this really isn't going to be a big influence, um, we generally don't see any weakening of the of that vortex in these climate models. Okay, because I guess what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, as you almost certainly know, every time we have one of these extreme cold weather events, uh, there are people out there, including the president of the United mm-hmm. States, Whoa. who say, you know, like global warming or climate change, what gives? Like, how can we have these extreme cold ev- events if we also have climate change? But are, but are you saying that there is some right. kind of relationship between the two? I'm saying it's possible. It's an interesting idea. Um, I think it's a... <laughs> is this an interesting idea? You know, we're already into spending hundreds of billions of dollars on this bullshit. Interesting. area of science where there's not a lot of consensus right now in terms of what will happen in the future in with climate climate change and cold air outbreaks. Um, in general, <laughs> yeah. I think there's going to be less cold extremes than there are, but the weather is noisy. And so you're still... Weather is noisy. Now this is new. I like this. We're going to have these very cold extremes occur on occasion. Okay. It's just going to be fewer and fewer of them. Weather is noisy. Okay. Um, since, we're on, yeah. since we're on the topic, she mentioned the models. You know how um, everybody talks a little bit more than they should when they're on podcasts. It's always, it's always fun to listen. And Freakonomics, the Freakonomics podcast had a, uh, see, Kate Marvel on. She is a climate scientist at Columbia University and the NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies. And she sadly had to admit that the climate models suck. So we don't know exactly how hot it's going to get. And a lot of that is because of human behavior. We don't know what humans are going to do. But even if you take out all the uncertainty surrounding humans, there's still uncertainties in the physical climate system. And this is really embarrassing because people are like, come on, climate scientists, like you had one job. Um, And we're working on it, right? But The wild card is really clouds, because when we talk about global warming, we mean climate change. And a lot of stuff is going to change when it warms up. And one of those things that's going to change is clouds. And clouds are really important in the climate system, because they both warm the planet and they cool the planet at the same time. So why is it such a wild card? What will be the variables that change the behavior or the proliferation, whatever, of clouds that might dictate temperature? So clouds are so hard to understand. They're really hard to shove in a climate model because they're both really small. 
right? They're nucleated by tiny, tiny grains of sand or, or, or dust. Um, but at the same time, they're really, really big. They cover a giant, giant portion of the Earth. And it's really hard within a computer model of the climate system oh. to simulate something that's both really small and really big. Hmm. So basically, we suck at it. We are really, <laughs> really bad at modeling clouds. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You know what I'm sensing? Mm-hmm. Because you had an NOAA person, now this one, and then the uh, and of course the, the gung ho uh, woman from uh, NPR and the this guy. Is this is a uh, a blitz, a PR blitz? No, I don't sense that. What I'm sensing is the slowly backing out. Oh, of the room. backing off. It's like let's do this. Da, 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 da. Let's just let's just just weaken Don't, it just a little re- bit. Yeah, just, just a little. Shut up already! This is reminds me of time I used to be a, when I was a chemist at uh, Union Oil. I was doing testing on certain things, and I made some factor of ten mistake, mm-hmm. which is embarrassing Oops. as hell. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> since they keep all the records, I'm always afraid they're going to catch up with you. So you make this mistake, and you send this back to the whatever facility it was that was looking for this information, and it's off by a factor of ten. And then you, and then they all panic because it's like, oh no, this is no good. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then you retest it, and you go, oh my god, I was wrong by a factor of ten. So you start doing the bit that I did, <laughs> which was which what? Is, Wait a minute, can we is, learn from this? Do we need to take notes? Which is, yeah, this might be useful for somebody. Instead of just admitting failure. Now hold on, what ten, ten times what? Can you just tell us what this I can't was? Remember, it was a sulfur content, probably. All right. And, but it's off spec. That's the main thing. Right. And once it's off spec, they have to fix it. And so you start giving them test results back on the new, because oh, let's see how then they so they start throwing stuff back at you, and you know that you're wrong. So you you give them fake results <laughs> that are less and less and less and less over a period of maybe six to ten you samples. Just, you just try to bring down your your goof you bring down your gradually <laughs> a little bit at a time, yeah. and then boom, you're good to go. Yeah, and this all takes place within a couple of hours, so it's not like a kill, you know, horrible. But I mean, I don't know how much money they lost on this because I don't know what they did with this stuff. But that kind of thing, which happens, it has to be back. You have to back out slowly. You can't all of a sudden say, "Hey, you know, we realize that these climate models, these computer models that we're basing all this stuff on, are bogus." <laughs> And they don't work now that we've got more and more data and we're looking at data from the last 20 years. None of this stuff works because the computer models are notoriously bad. Yeah, for all kinds of stuff. Uh, what are we going to do? No, 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 don't do, don't make that admission. Let's, it looks like we scammed everybody. So let's just back slow, out. Slow, as slow, slow as we can. Uh, it could be possible. We'll keep our eyes on it. Well, that was two examples. Yes. Just in this week alone. Of course, kids in America and, uh, and some kids from Sweden are severely, and some politicians even, AOC, severely traumatized by the most recent report that we had uh, from our own government saying within 12 years, well, what they really said, within within 12 years, if we haven't fixed it, then uh, the world GDP may drop by about 5%, which didn't no, seem like... we're all going to die. Well, yeah, it, it kind of didn't say that, but it doesn't matter. The trauma is there, and there's enough re- repetition of the message of we're all going to die. However, in Belgium, the kids are loving the global warming climate change. They're on their third week of protest. 
Yeah, they don't have to go to school. <laughs> yeah, and this is a just a little bit of um, tossing back and forth between the Euronews studio and a guy in Brussels. And these kids are all, you know, they're like, they're, they're happy. You know, they're jumping around. They have on the, uh, written on their cheeks, save us. Uh, they've got peace signs on the, drawn on, the, on their cheeks. They're, and they're, by the way, we should mention, we've been doing this report on pretty much every show. We should mention it's freezing there, and they're all bundled up. They're all they're, they they're have all hats on, up. big scarves, and they're all hooting and hollering, and they're they're hamming it up in front of the camera. The guy can't even hear the studio because they have the day off yet again. Gregoire, apart from kids uh, and students missing school, why do you think this protest has attracted so much support? I'm sorry I can't hear you, but I, what I can tell you is that for the first week in a row, the students came in the streets of Brussels. There were, according to the police, they're guessing that 30,000 students would, he, would be here in Brussels. They come from all over the country to march for the climate. And they got they got vuvuzelas now. They're blowing in the guy's face. They're ready to come back as soon as, as often as necessary. Once they will see the government moving forward into a more uh, ambitious policy for the climate. They're loving it. They're having the time of their lives. You know, this may be an element, another element of trying to back out of this. Ooh, my goodness. Because Interesting. These kids, this is now becoming a nuisance. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're not to be taken seriously as protesters. They're truants. Well, this, this is a, yeah, we have a truancy problem. Now we have these kids completely out of control. We overdid it. We turned the knob up too high. <laughs> on the scam. So, some of them are committing suicide and some of them are just not coming yeah, back to class yeah. or anything. They just become, you know, truant. Vagrants. These are unintended consequences <laughs> that they You're have so to right. deal with. You're so right. These so are the right. things you can freak people out about. So there you go. Yeah, that, that's our weather report for yes. the day. It's, uh, it's getting a little warmer in Texas, though. We're around 50 degrees. It's sort of to get warm. We're right underneath the, the, the vortex, so we're all, yeah, we're all good here. if the dam broke, you'd be flooded with cold air. Oh, I, if that, I got, someone's got to stick his finger in the dam. Oh, no, it's Dyke. Well, that too. Yeah. We've had some rain, even though they, a couple of weeks ago they said, no more rain. We're done for this year, but no, we got rain. Weather is not climate. Weather is noisy. Just so I was that. listening to a bunch of obscurities, too, and I caught, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the DH Unplugged show, but we didn't play anything. But I thought this would be a good little piece of educational information. Because I didn't really fully understand what some of the elements that had changed with the cost of living. Uh, uh, that oh, you the mean that people live pay- paycheck to paycheck and are in debt because of stupid shit they're told to buy? No. Oh, sorry. This is more about how the uh, how the inflation rate is calculated and how it doesn't really match with tr- what we <laughs> with wages. <laughs> what we think is well, no, it doesn't match match what. what what we think what we it think is. of as inflation. Ah, in other words, it's ah, cost more to do stuff. Because but, of the, the true M1, 2, and 3 money supply. Selling, just, yeah, the, well, that's, you know, you're talking about the money supply. But that's the government telling uh, us that, no, no, no. There's no, no, no everything's, everything's fine. fine. Everything's fine, yeah. Well, so I've, John Williams, who's this guy, uh, statistician, economist, he's in San Francisco. He does shadow stats, and that's the ones we refer to once in a while when we bring up the real unemployment numbers and other things such as that. Mm-hmm. And such. As and such. Good use of and such. And, oh, sorry. and so I got this little clip of him on some podcast with some guy who really wasn't that. 
doing a very good job of interviewing you. But th- but I thought this would be something for this show because I thought it was a very good explanation of the cost of living and and how inflation works and how it how the calculation has changed. And I didn't even know this stuff stuff myself. In 1980s, uh, they changed. Uh, they, they wanted to change the way the cost of living adjustment was uh, calculated for Social Security recipients, among others. Yeah, it's um, only I think the way uh, Newt Gingrich put it was well, we could only uh, get a more accurate uh, CPI in there, meaning a lower lower rate of inflation. It'll help us cut the uh, budget deficit. Well, that, that's 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 nonsense. Uh, what what they did um, historically, um, and and you have you have inflation cost of living indices that go back literally a couple of centuries. The whole concept of behind the CPI was to measure the cost of maintaining a constant standard of living so that you could um, I would use a very crude example. Uh, you might take a, uh, uh, a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, a uh, gallon of gas and price those, and, and, and say a pound of steak and you'd price, uh, price those out in one year, um, then you'd price them out the next year and whatever that basket had gone up by. Uh, would be the increase in the cost of living. Um, what Greenspan argued was that, well, that's that's not the way to do it. Again, this is the way most people view it. Uh, it's the way it had been for centuries. He said, well, uh, if people uh, find that the price of steak goes up, uh, they're going to buy more chicken or or hamburger. And um, they do that, then, then their cost of living isn't rising as much. But guess what? Um, I don't view eating um, hamburger instead of a steak because I can't uh, afford the steak as maintaining a, a constant standard of living. The whole idea of introducing substitution there knocked uh, a couple of percentage points off. It's um, and then they changed uh, the, the quality assessment of things. They had computers adjust quality on things that people really don't notice. Okay, let me see if I understand what he's saying. He's saying that when inflation goes up, people eventually resort to cheap shit. <laughs> Living the mac and cheese life. Mac and cheese. Something like that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, that, was that kind but of... That, but the, the argument was made, and this was in the 80s, because Newt Gingrich decided that, hey, the Social Security people, we keep jacking up what we have to send them. Is there any way we can knock this number back to CPI, the Consumer Price Index? Right, right. Knock this number down somehow so we don't have to keep giving Social Security more, recipients more, more, more money. money. <laughs> I laugh, but it's funny. Do, and that's what they did. But they did it with this cheating this oh well look your standard of living hasn't changed any you're just eating chicken, chicken. <laughs> you're eating <laughs> john that now we understand yeah, bugs bugs now we, we know we why bugs is coming well uh, and oh those wool sweaters cotton will work yeah but this this is the whole theory behind bugs yeah eating bugs yeah your standard of living hasn't decreased because you have to eat cockroaches. No, <laughs> it's not cockroaches, John. It's uh, it's protein. We eat bugs. You eat bugs. Mm, nothing like freshly caught bugs. You want to try? I love bugs. Bugs, bugs, bugs. Yummy, everybody. That's what happens. With your uh, tastes like poop inflation.
<laughs> so I thought that I didn't realize I I kind of knew some of this, but I didn't know the substitution angle, which I thought was that's a, it's a great angle. Yeah. 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 Hey, you're still eating. You're still eating meat. You're still I mean, eating bugs. We, we went from protein. we went from you know big American cars, and then we got uh, you know plastic Japanese cars, which eventually turned out to be really good. And now it's like, well, I can't really afford the Japanese car. Let me go back to the cheap ass American car. Yeah, a Geo. Drive <laughs> a Geo. The Geo. I I raced in a Geo. Did you now? Yes. Um, MTV. Uh, we followed the uh, the indie circuit one year, and it was one year they had the race in Denver, the street race in Denver, and they had the celebrity race. And sure it was, that wasn't a Grand Prix or an IndyCar Grand Prix style thing. Um, well, it, if it was on the streets. It would be Grand Prix more than well, it, Indy. It, well, it was the cars. Well, whatever. It, it was cares. the same cars. Yeah. Um, Except for you, you had a Geo. Yeah. So it was the you know it's like the guy the drummer from White Lion uh, Johnny Gill you know uh, I'm sure one of the Motley Crue guys was there and I had the in car camera I got to find that footage because I, I of course I went around the corner and crashed into the wall and kept going you did yeah yeah the the stick shift had come up about two feet but otherwise it still drove but the the commentary because when you're in the car and you're skidding around and you hit the wall and you bounce off it's, it feels like wow man this this is spectacular. Then you see the footage on TV, and the commentator it's literally like because it's geo. They go, you know how slow it looks. Then like bloop, bloop. it looks like I'm a grandma who's lost control. <laughs> and the guys who are going to call the official race are like, oh, there's Adam Curry from MTV. Oh, mm, okay, you know, <laughs> like one of those. Like, dude can't even hold onto the wheel. <laughs> God. My geo story. There you go. My geo story. Uh, I have one clip which I think is important for uh, something that has dropped off the radar a little bit here in the United States of Gitmo Nation, which is uh, the wall, uh, the president's wall. And we know that what has happened now is he has caved. He said, oh, we'll negotiate. We'll talk about it. You know, he's he's threatening a little bit there with his... uh, with his uh, state of emergency, and of course, judges, everyone's getting like, oh, this can't happen, he can't do this, just a lot of noise, because weather is noise. And I think I know what his plan is. And it came out in a hearing, a uh, congressional hearing, with Representative Mo Brooks, I think he's from Alabama, and he was questioning the Undersecretary of Defense, John Rood, uh, about a very specific law, which explains, when you listen to this, it's uh, about a minute and a half, which explains the president's uh, consistent push about the drugs that are coming across without a wall, the drugs. And I think there was, you know, there's a couple of big fentanyl busts, although they may not have been outside of the ports of entry. Right? So there's, right? Right. So there's a very specific law, and it's explained here, and then we can uh, walk through some of the details. I want to direct your attention to 10 United States Code 284, which authorizes President Trump to deploy the military to the southern border to build fences and to do a lot of other things. And for clarity, if you look it up in the dictionary, the word fence includes the word barrier, and the word barrier includes walls made of a variety of different materials. So that having been said, it seems to me that... 10 U.S. Code 284 can be used by the President of the United States to direct the United States military to build a wall. Now, as of today, 
Uh, you've mentioned military forces along the southern border. Have any of them been deployed pursuant to 10 U.S.C. 284? Uh, Congressman, I don't believe any of our forces have been de deployed pursuant to 10 U.S.C. 284. You are correct, however, that that use of authority would authorize the Secretary of Defense to erect barriers, roads, uh, fencing, what, those type of materials to, to disrupt drug smuggling. Does 10 U.S. Excuse me, 10 U.S.C. 284, as you understand it, require the declaration of a national emergency before it is implemented? No. It does not? No. Has President Trump, to your knowledge, ever used 10 U.S.C. 284 to direct the military to build the wall that is necessary for border security? No, not to my knowledge, Congressman. If President Trump were to direct the Pentagon, the United States military, pursuant to 10 U.S.C. 284, to build such barriers as are necessary to secure our southern border from drug trafficking and international crime cartels, would the United States military obey that order? If, if we uh, judge it to be a lawful order, yes, sir. And, and I assume it would be. I love how they do these hearings because the... It worked. The whole intent of this kind of questioning, not like Mo didn't know what he was asking, is to get it to people to pay attention. And I looked yeah. up uh, 10 United States Code, Section 284, support for counter drug activities and activities to counter transnational organized crime. Um, and just to give you an idea, the Secretary of Defense may provide support for the counter drug activities or activities to counter transnational organized crime of of any other department or agency of the federal government or any state, local, tribal, blah, 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 agency for any of the purposes set forth in the following subsection. So the president can call upon this. And indeed, uh, what can be done with it is is quite, uh, quite broad. Let me see. And we have... Hold on. Did I just mess that up? Yes. Here's the... Uh, I'll just, uh, types of support. We have the maintenance and repair of equipment that's been made available, okay, preserving potential future utility, maintenance of anything, transportation of personnel of the United States and foreign countries, and the transportation of supplies and equipment. So this is what the, uh, the Defense Department can do when asked. Uh, the establishment and operation of bases of operations or training facilities for the purpose of facilitating counter-drug activities or activities to counter transnational organized crime. Uh, we have uh, detection, monitoring, and communication of the movement of air and sea traffic within 25 miles outside the geographic boundaries, surface traffic, construction of roads and fences, <clears throat> and installation of lighting to block drug smuggling corridors across international boundaries, establishment of command, control, communications, and computer networks for improved integration of law enforcement, active military, and National Guard, Aerial and ground reconnaissance. I mean, it goes on and on. All you yeah, have to do sounds, is say, is just say it's for drugs. Setup. We've been, we've been, we've been, we've been set up. We've been, we've been set up. Bamboozled. Now, I want to ask a couple of things here. Yeah. Now, obviously, this whole thing was theater for the purposes of, hey, we already did it in a hearing. We, you should have been paying attention. Yeah, where were you, morons? And so the uh, mainstream media, of course, doesn't pick up on this. Only the No Agenda show does. <laughs> why, why would they? That doesn't sound right. Now, they're still talking about national like emergency. You know, when, this, when this particular seg section of the U.S. Code was put in place, does it have a date when, it was, when this was actually made into law? Uh, let's see. Let me see. Source credit. What do we have? Maybe. 
<laughs> of course, these things change over time, which yeah, is... Yeah, but I'd like to know when it was initiated. I see a lot of 2016, quite honestly. Just looking here. These are when changes were made. I don't know which ones, but a lot of changes were made in December of 2016. Um, I, you caught me off guard. I need to look at that. Well, I wouldn't expect you to be ex- expecting that question, but I'm guess if it's 2016. Yeah, hello. Then we've definitely been hoodwinked. <laughs> we've, been hood- we've been bamboozled. No wonder he was so confident. Yeah. Now I'm sure that the Ninth Circuit and you know everybody else will just be all over this. Hey, it's been sitting there for two years. You didn't do anything about it. Yeah, better than that. It's, been, it's in law. You, 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 yeah, can, you been, can't just go change it's been it. Codified, as and, they like to say. And all that. And there's. I don't even think there's. From what I could tell, there's no. There's no real um, budget. The only thing. No, it's uh, a military the, budget comes right out the top. The Defense Department. All they have to. Yes, right off they the top. The U.S. Army. It's a rounding a lot error. Of those guys are sitting behind desks as we speak. It's a rounding error. Um. They do have to make a report to Congress and say, here's the budget, and that's what we're going to spend. Let me guess, about $5.7 million. <laughs> Stage one. But just change change it. Just say, okay, well, this is why you hear him going towards drugs, 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 the yeah, drugs, the drugs, I the drugs. Right. And he's been saying this from day one. So I think you're right. I think this was set up. It was. I, I have to look at the history of the bill. Maybe one of our trolls can do that, one of the producers in the troll room. All right see if there's any significant changes made maybe it's been around forever i don't know but it looks like there's a lot of i doubt it (laughs) (laughs) don't you love it wow (laughs) yeah again everyone flat-footed yeah so so he gets to make the point that i think here's a couple of points he'll make he says well you know we we had to do a government shutdown they still wouldn't agree to the wall so we can't credit them with the wall under any circumstances and we lost three billion dollars in unrecoverable uh uh something costs right to do the shutdown and that three billion could have been put toward the wall if these yeah. if these democrats would have just played ball here yeah i mean he's, he's playing a long game if this is the case which is it's a good game to play well it, it, what what other game is there it's so much better than, than a national emergency this is clearly set out you just say oh got it got a cop i mean transnational organized crime the coyotes, you could argue, are are that. Yes, it's transnational. It's organized, and it's a crime. Yeah, it's not El Chapo, but it's a crime. No, it's not at the level of El Chapo. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. very good. I'll give you. I don't know. No, I, I don't. Need I, it. I, nah, it's not that. I don't. Need it. And if you want, it's a good clip. Yeah. Well, I was on the on the switchback. Uh, you mean, uh, you mean uh, what do we call We used to call that the whipsaw. The wraparound. The, the wraparound <laughs> switchback whipsaw. Whipsaw. Mm-hmm. So there was a good example uh, that was, I thought was the most shameless and uh, oh, probably. Uh, Explain what a switchback is. Just so- Okay, this is where you I say, and today Adam Curry admitted <laughs> that he hates dogs. And then I and then I here's a clip of him. And I go to the clip of you, a quote from you going, "Hey, I don't hate dogs." <laughs> no, I don't really hate him. Something like that. Yeah, anything, yeah. anything yeah. that's got nothing to do with what I just said. Yeah. 
So I say one thing. For, it's extra points if I say, if I'm talking about a completely different topic. And it's you, even, right. Yeah. Where you're saying I like cats. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, or something. I mean, it's it's yeah, put it's put it's put in there it's put in there to fill up the report to and to solidify in your brain the information they're giving you, which is marginally correct. I consider it dishonest reporting. And this is coming from you, a reporter, a journal. Uh, I was, yeah, I was actually at some level, but I, I, but it's dishonest. I think it's very dishonest. And we have example after example of this, and it seems to depress some of our producers. But no, I love it. I like it anyway. Uh, so this is Hallie Jackson, who's one of the best at this, doing a piece because they had this this the left had to, picked up on this. Trump's intel advisors all disagreed with everything he's ever had to say. <laughs> yeah, what what the heck was this? I mean, they just say let's let's give it one more try, boys. I don't know what it was because it was out of the blue. Is one of the many things that he doesn't listen to advice. I guess as part of the Trump rotation, or he's a he's yeah. headstrong and he's got these great intel people, and he doesn't think. Of course, they're out to get him, which I think is one good reason not to believe anything they say. But which I don't think helps their cause much. So Hallie has not. What I'm going to play is a series of clips that are continuous, but I'm only going to. I'm chopping them up to show the switchbacks. Okay and. So it's going to be, it seems a little herky-jerk, but in fact, if you put them all back to back to back to back to back, all five of these short clips, it would be the report. And uh, so I'm going to start it off with clip one, and it's going to end with, and each one of these is another example of saying one thing and then exemplifying it with a quote from somebody that doesn't really verify anything you've said. Right. This is a, here we go. To his own intelligence chiefs publicly contradicting the president on his threat assessments of North Korea and Iran. The president lashing out, president lashing out, lashing telling out. them to go back to school. <laughs> and Hallie Jackson has that fallout. The president calling the intelligence officials he hired passive and naive, suggesting in a tweet today they go back to school after they publicly contradicted him, not just on Iran. I withdrew the United States from the horrible one-sided Iran nuclear deal. At the moment, technically, they're in compliance. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Okay, besides the lashing out, which is like yeah. a giveaway code word, yeah. uh, he said – she brings up the – she says that – or Hallie says that the they've contradicted him on his Iran pullout. You know, he, he wants to – he killed the deal. Right. And they quote Gina, I think is her name, the head of the CIA, as saying that you're in compliance with yeah. something. I don't know where that came from. It's like, what's so what? But on ISIS, we have. Oh, sorry, I want to play that one clip again. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just roll back that last bit of the clip. Here we go. Cool. After they publicly contradicted him, not just on Iran. I withdrew the United States from the horrible one-sided Iran nuclear deal. At the moment, technically, they're in compliance. Okay, so it, what you, what should have happened here is on Iran should have gone straight to Gina Haskell. With her quote, but instead they insert they inserted Trump yelling his opinion on uh, Iran, and then yeah, to be even contradicted. If, even if he didn't yell his opinion on Iran, what did it make, they're in compliance it, it, of what the old deal? Had no idea. We don't know. It's that hey, it's NBC. Fact, true. Trump's dumb, idiot, orange man, bad. <laughs> orange man, bad. Onward to two. But on ISIS, we have one against ISIS. 
We've beaten them, and we've beaten them badly. ISIS is intent on resurging. <laughs> intent on resurging. Yeah. Oh, man, this is so good. They're intent on resurging. Of course they are. They've done everybody's intent on resurging. They've really done a. Um, this is a, this is a, a. They formatted this so it, whereas the switchback or the callback or the whipsaw used to be a trip a clip of Trump saying something unrelated. No, no, it used to be somebody making an assertion. A, an assertion. The reporter says this, then they play that. Right. But now now, this, now they're this, doing two together. This is more advanced. Yes. Because this makes it even worse. Yes. She says this. Yeah. Trump then says kind of something along the lines of what she said. And then they have the switchback quote that has nothing to do with it. Well, we have to call it. It's like a switchback reach around because it's two next. That's what we're calling it from now on. Switchback. SBRO, the switchback reach around. Because that's so what it we is. have Hallie coming up with one thing. and then Okay, so let's go on to number three. It might be a better example. On Russia. Is Russia still targeting the U.S.? Let's go. We expect Russia will continue to wage its information war against democracies. Wait a minute. I couldn't hear what the first part was. It was just something about Russia's, you know, is it would they didn't have a good Trump clip that time. So they played that muddy clip you heard. We can play it again. It's very On short. Russia. Is Russia still targeting the US? I can't hear. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> it's just a muddy clip of someone saying something Russia. Yeah. And then they have the other guy saying, Do we think the Russians are going to continue their attack on democracies using, you know, yeah, computers? If we were in the meeting, we would have both said, okay, we like it, but not that one. Just, you got you to kill your darlings. One of these has to go. This is not the best uh, switchback reach around you've done. What's it's her name? Good. What's her name again? Hallie Jackson. Hallie. Hallie. It's not so good. So we'll drop that one. Well, let's go to four. And on North Korea. North Korea is working out very well. The capabilities and threat uh, that existed a year ago are still there. Behind the scenes, multiple sources tell NBC News intelligence officials felt frustrated by the president's tweets and debated a response, but in the end decided that would be counterproductive, so stayed silent. Republicans did not. Uh, it's the best we have, and of course we need to rely on them. Man, th now, this was advanced. Because, hold on, they start with Trump. And on North Korea. North Korea's working out very well. Okay, so <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Orange man bad. Can't believe he said that. How, how can he say this? And then? Capabilities and threat uh, that existed a year ago are still there. Behind the scenes. Is that Morell? It sounds like Morell. Who was that? No, no, it's, I think it was the Navy guy. Uh. But it was like, uh, he says, the th yes, of course they do, because the deal, none of this has been finalized. He's working with North Korea. So how is this, a you know... I don't get what they're trying to get at here. Yeah. It, the, the, like all this, uh, it's just, it, to me, it's unbelievable. Listen to these guys. Then they bring out this Republican who really is, says nothing at all. Hold on. The capabilities and threat uh, that existed a year ago are still there. Behind the scenes, multiple sources tell NBC News intelligence officials. I like the behind the scenes, multiple sources. Felt frustrated by the president's tweets and debated a response, but in the end decided that would be counterproductive, so stayed silent. Republicans did not. Uh, it's the best we have, and of course we need to rely on them. <laughs> it's the best we have, therefore we need a realignment. So she makes the assertion that the, the intelligence crowd yeah. wanted to do something about Trump's t tweets, and then they didn't. Of course, you can always, you know, great reporting, you got nothing. Yeah. Um, 
And then, but the Republicans didn't stay silent, and they bring some Republican guy out who doesn't really say anything at all. And I'd hardly say that's an exemplification of the Republicans shaking their fist. So she finally gets to wrap it with what they wanted to do all along, which was kind of bring out Adam Schiff, the oh, yes, of course, and let him say something. And the Democratic head of the House Intelligence Committee warned rhetoric like the president's is downright dangerous. My advice to the president is you've got the best intelligence agencies in the world. Listen to what they have to say. When you ignore them, you do that at our country's peril. Hallie Jackson, NBC News, the White House. <laughs> yes, we're going to die. Well, she says he's, he says it's downright dangerous. Yes. He never says it's downright dangerous. He kind of hints that it's not a good idea. So this is this was just to me poor. Well, it, it was it, dishonest to the nth degree, and, and I believe NBC has the most dishonest reporting of all the networks. And I think you see that on MSNBC. The whole I'm surprised that they haven't gone after Comcast. You know, uh, it's um, this is just very dishonest. And it, what I think is happening here is, you know, obviously the the intelligence community, you know, which is not certainly not all of the people who work in intelligence. Uh, but these pencil pushers at the top, they all like they hate Trump. They they work for a different group uh, of shadowy bankers and the diff- the other ones. And so and they uh, and they sit there and they 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 try and pull all this apart by having this transparent com- um, hearing. But for the news media, it's very boring and they don't really have the time to play anything in context. So instead of like what we would do is like play, you know, like, like, like. It paid two minutes of uh, Representative Mo over there about this law. They chop it up into these twenty-second sound bites with you know with your with your whipsaw switchback reach around, and you just wind up being confused and thinking. Yeah. And they're trying to make it entertaining, I guess, or just trying to ram home the. It's really sound bite reporting to an well, extreme. Make it dramatic. They're trying to make well, it dramatic. Well, I, come which on, is that's, entertaining. That's what we I mean, do. That's yes, that's what you do. Entertaining by definition. Dr- dramatizing something is is for the purposes of entertainment. Exactly. And that's why tell a story. Tell a story. Yes. <laughs> tell a story. 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 Tell, tell a story. Hey, you're doing Wizard of Oz. Pretty good. That was Scarecrow. I liked it. Dogs are people, too. Hey, we have some important... Uh, since you brought it up, you brought up uh, how I hate dogs, which I don't. I love dogs. Adam Curry hates dogs. I just don't. I don't. I just don't like them in the amount uh, that they're in. Yeah, too many dogs. Too many dogs. You may be the, the canary in the coal mine here. You know, we're warning us about the dog takeover. Well, so here is uh, <clears throat> stuff is happening. You know, my biggest complaint is I live in a smoke-free, pet, pet-friendly building, which is fine. I'll smoke my weed on the balcony. No one's ever really given me any problems. But we have, you know, instead of a couple people have a dog, we have uh, 75% of all apartments in the building have at least one, sometimes more than one dog. And we have carpeting in the hallways, so everything reeks of urine. All the hallways, the front door—you have to be careful; you don't slip. If, and they have to clean it every day. It's just—it's a—it's a nightmare. It's just too much. There are now apartment buildings in California and in New York. Upon uh, moving in, as a part of your lease agreement, you always have to have you know some some, or usually you have to some kind of deposit, pet deposit, in case your pet—I don't know—destroys the carpeting. Uh, they will also require doggy DNA so that if uh, something turns up 
in the hallway, uh, you can, as a concerned uh, fellow dweller, you can grab a little sample and you can hand it to the rental office and they will, within 10 to 14 days, come back and prosecute the dog or the owner, I guess. So that's... I think that's great. I'm all for it. I'd like rapid DNA. It should be, you know, 20 rapid minutes. DNA. This is where rapid DNA is important. And then uh, second one, dogs are people too. This is something that we, it's almost there. We talked about it just a couple of shows ago. Since we have so many dogs, I think we're at 90 million in the U.S. We have so many dogs. Let's help combat uh, climate change by feeding them bugs. <laughs> so I we're not quite there yet. Yeah, because you know, less beef is less uh, CO two, less farts and whatever cow farts. So now we have Purina, who are uh, big manufacturers or makers of uh, of pet food. Uh, they are going to come out with uh, dog food created from crickets and fish heads. <laughs> <laughs> wow, crickets and fish. Yes, yes, I bet you that poop smells fabulous. <laughs> and they are doing it indeed to uh, help uh, combat uh, climate change. Uh, How good is that? <laughs> fish heads is my favorite part, even though it's not. Yeah, you know, I don't guess fish don't. Uh, what do fish do for CO2? Are they good or bad? They don't fart like cows. I don't know. <laughs> they rot and give off methane, I guess. And uh, then the final trend amongst... Where do they get, the, where do they get the, You know, let's stop for a second and consider this. A lot of people never want to even... It's like numbers you can't even imagine. They have a processing facility where they make, mil, they make millions probably of pounds of dog food that gets mm-hmm. packaged and it's on a... You can imagine the facility and there's a bags going flying by and the thing's been filled and wrapped and then palleted and sent off on a, on a, on a truck. Mm-hmm. And in the process of making the, the pellets, the uh, kibble, they have to bring in probably tons and tons of smelly fish heads oh, to process. And they have to cook them down because it's dry. It's a dry food. They don't make a wet food, right? That we're thinking, that we're talking about. So they have to dry the it, that that plant must stink to high heaven, and it's probably getting into the area where the plant's located. If there's a obviously there's no residences around there, or it would people would be suing them for odor uh, problems, odor abatement issues. Uh, this is just disgusting. And then the bugs, they got to bring in a bunch of bugs. <laughs> crickets, crickets. I mean, they're bringing in crickets and fish heads. It looks like an, it's got to be disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear from somebody. Yeah. Somebody must know somebody that works at a Purina facility. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. We got to get some inside scoop on this. It doesn't the, uh, doesn't the Mars company own, uh, Purina? I don't know anymore. They uh, they switched hands so many times. I can't tell. I was you. always like, I was suspicious of a candy bar manufacturer that makes pet food. I never really quite liked that. Well, I don't think I know they owned Jack in the Box for a while, or there was some connection there too. And the final trend in today's dog ownership, and I think we've reached peak dog ownership with this, is glittering your male dog's testicles. What? Yeah, I got to send you this link on the Skype, man. It's because there's a, they. So when you what? look, yeah, when you look at the dog, who's from, doing this and why? It's so cute. 
Yeah, you can you can see the picture just popped up on your Skype. Yeah, yeah I see. With the blue glitter and the gold glitter. Oh, this is gross. It's it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dogs are great. It's the people that are the problem. Putting glitter on your dog's testicle is a trend now. Yep. Oh, brother. Dogs are people too. <laughs> Oh man! A couple of things going on. So I so one of the things that happened this, after the last show was, I think it was after the last show was Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala or Kamala. It's, she Kamala, pronounces Kamala, 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 she Kamala. pronounces it Kamala. Okay, well Kamala like Pamela. Yes, that's why she's doing that. Okay, it used to be Kamala. Yeah. Okay. Well, she 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 announced that she's going to be running for president, and then she went on the the, the one of those great CNN scripted town halls. Yeah, where was, everyone everyone has their question ready. Yeah, you know, they were not going to talk or ask her about her affair with Willie Brown. By the way, when you look at her, you see the pantsuit. You see that when she claps, her arms are fully extended, palms flat. Very good, very good. You know, like she's like she's clapping for a seal or something. Yeah, Hillary two yeah, no, she's got all the earmarks of Hillary. She's Com- copying her. complete Hillary 2.0. It's the problem with her is that she, Hillary, who I've never considered to be a very good speaker, because she speaks every word. Yeah, as a single word, uh, and this Kamala woman doesn't quite. Now l- l- she doesn't even got that much skill. Allow me to say something. I think she's got a lot going for her. Not from my obviously my personal perspective, but uh she's she's good looking. She uh she does have a good rap. She's got the she's got the all the arrogance she needs. She really has a, a great air of arrogance superiority about yeah, her. A, the district attorney arrogance. Yes. Oh yeah, because she has a badge. You know, she can throw people in jail. She's very powerful as a as a district attorney. Yeah. Yeah, well, she has that's you hey, you got a badge? Man. I'd be walking around a little more cocky. No, you got a badge, right, baby. Got a badge. So she's a, she says a lot of crazy stuff. But I was listening to her speech, the Oakland speech, and she does stuff like this. Is her going to be her downfall? I think. Okay. She's well. Besides, I think she's she's a um, she used sex to get to the top. With the, with the four with downfall, Will, yeah, with yeah. Willie Brown. Now Willie Brown was Willie Brown runs California. <laughs> Wait, really? He runs California, pretty much. Well, the, who the hell is he? He used to be the Speaker of the House, uh, the, the State Assembly. He was a top guy, and then he became Mayor of San Francisco, and he brought her up. Uh, groomed her by giving her a bunch of jobs when they were kind of dating, even though he's married. And when she was, he was 60 something. Scandalous. And she, was, and she was 30. And then she got a bunch of appointments. So you immediately accuse her of sleeping her way to the top. Way to mansplain, Dvorak. Yeah. Okay. I do. All right. And, uh, <laughs> right. And anyway, Brown Kate was mayor. And then the mayor after him was, uh, I believe, Gavin Newsom. And uh, 
Anyway, the whole thing, the whole problem is really Willie Brown's got a lot to do with it. But he is a very powerful character. He knows all the he knows where all the bodies are buried. He knows everything about California. And he's uh, I've talked to him a couple of times. He's around and about. You see him and he'll chat with you. Um, Have you chatted with him? Yeah, I've chatted with him a couple of times. I've just run into him. Oh, well, you'll see if, if you, you go see to a really him, good restaurant once in a while, there he is. And you could just, you know, you see Roman right chat with him. Yeah. Right, so so here, you go. Yeah. You go over there. You say, hey, Willie, <laughs> how was that piece of ass? Huh? Yeah. Well, you don't do that. Oh, OK. Now. So this is but I think the bigger problem is I think she's a dingbat. And uh, <laughs> and this dingbat comes through with this particular she's she's given a speech. And this is an excerpt from the speech where she asks a question and then answers it. And I am going to play it in two parts. I got the her asking the question mm-hmm. for 15 seconds and then her answering it. And then you tell me, you explain to me what the answer really means. Uh, first, I would like to say the official definition of dingbat is stupid or eccentric person. So I think, uh, I think you're right on both counts. We are here at this moment in time because we must answer... A fundamental question. All right. Who are we? Who are we as Americans? So let's answer that question. Who are we? Who are we as Americans? Okay. Uh, That is is kind of a... It's an essay question, isn't it? It's not multiple I guess, choice. Yeah, but, <laughs> but she's going to answer it in a kind of an offbeat way, I'd say. But who are... Let's remember the question is, who are we? As Americans. Part two. Uh, Okay. Let's answer that question to the world and each other right here and right now. America, we are better than this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, even though I've heard this speech, I didn't never really deconstructed it like that. Who are we? Well, we're better than this. Yeah, hooray! And then the crowd goes, <laughs> goes nuts. Yeah, we love that. Hmm. Yeah. We, whatever it is, we're better than this. That, yeah. But she <laughs> never said whatever it a, is. She just a, said, who are we? We're better than this. That's who we are. We, it's, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you left something out, lady. <laughs> That's funny. Um. So then she did the CNN town hall. And... She had, uh, she was taking questions. These things, well, we know they're scripted because Matt Lauer, the start of the downfall of Matt Lauer is when he deviated from the questions with Hillary, yes, as you'll recall, did. and she got quite angry. There's, you know, there's no proof of what was said backstage, but uh, then Matt Lauer is now, you now between U67 and U69 somewhere on the, uh, on the UHF television band. It's uh, there. So they, they bring it, so it's, uh, she does Podcaster. a little Podcaster. Pot. Woo! Well, that's quite a drop. He's not even that. So they bring in uh, these people who are given questions, and you know they just uh, you know they just read their question. And this I thought was very well done. It was another you know get the crowd all riled up and excited and hooting and hollering question. Senator, many Democrats that I've spoken with agree that the primary objective for 2020 is to nominate the candidate that has the best shot of defeating Donald Trump. Some have also said that, given what occurred in 2016 and the current political climate, that a male nominee will have a better chance this time around than a female nominee. 
Would you please respond to this so that this man has a response ready the next time a man tries to mansplain why a man <laughs> would make a better nominee? That is, you could not virtue signal any better than that guy just did. He's, he's, he got sex from somebody. Yeah, probably another guy. Uh, well, maybe. It's irrelevant. What? I mean, that was just, hey, I suck. Tell me how I make sure no one like me ever becomes president or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then. Surprising to get the white thing in there. Now, we followed Sandy Hook, uh, the Newtown tragedy, very closely and. Uh, we feel that there was quite a lack of evidence. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get into it too deep because it's just such a hot button. But we've discussed it ad nauseum. The in, most interesting thing about Sandy Hook was the, if you recall, Wayne Carver. Uh, he was the um, the medical. Uh, what's the, what's the proper term? Uh, examiner. Yeah. He was the chief medical examiner. And you remember that press conference he did where he had no, everything was contradictory, had all the wrong answers, was talking about wrong weapons, hadn't really looked at anybody, hadn't done autopsies on all of the all of the victims. It was really, really odd. And one thing we know for sure. Well, here's what the Kamala Harris uh, says about gun laws and what she thinks should be done in relation to uh, the Sandy Hook. Twenty six and seven year old babies were massacred in Connecticut. They failed to act. Here's what I think. I think that somebody should have required, and this is going to sound very harsh. I think somebody should have required all those members of Congress to go in a room, in a locked room, no press, no one, nobody else, and look at the autopsy photographs of those babies. And then you vote your conscience. This has become a political issue. Uh, I'm all for that. This has become a political issue. I'm really for that because, as far as I know, there are no photographs. There are no autopsy photographs. I would love for some representatives to go in to a skiff, I presume, uh, see these pictures, and then tell us what they saw. That was one of the biggest problems with this thing, is there's no photographic evidence of anything. And then they uh, lower, they uh, flatten the building. Oh, well, hey, that's what we do. That's what we do with all big tragedies, like 9-11. The rubble was gone so quick. So, and this Kamala, the, the Kamala, 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 like Pamela, Kamala, 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 Kamala. Um, so I was listening to Ben Shapiro, who is going on and on about, uh, and we have mixed feelings about him on this show. He was going on and on about the Willie Brown situation and thinking it should be answered. And can I just say, I am becoming so disinterested and I really don't feel like we can survive two years of this bull crap. The American people, they're going to turn TVs off. Yeah. I think it's way too much, way too early, and Ben Shapiro should know better. Okay. Well, Ben Shapiro is going on and on, and I was tr- and there's some basic reason I don't like Ben Shapiro. Because he's an he's outrage such- whore. That's what – just, it just hit me. He's an outrage whore. He may, he may be right. But he's always on the outrage tip. He's not. No, he's a little bit like that. I agree. I'm not going to argue about that. But this is the thing that I think is his problem. He has a problem. 
And a lot of right-wingers have the exact same problem. And I only discovered it by deconstructing this stuff that he just did about her Mm -hmm. when he's going on and on about Willie Brown. Is that, and he's not the only one who does this. And we kind of do it, but we don't do it like these other guys do it. Right. He uses sarcasm to excess. Oh, yes. To Yes. Is this, you're right. This is a trend. I agree. And it's not well done. That's the no, problem. It's, in fact, it's just very poorly done. And, and in fact, I'll take it one step further and say that it actually produces reverse messaging. You know, before you play your, your, your clip, uh, hold on, where is it? Here's, the, uh, here's that ISO, because you're right. Because that whole baby Hitler thing, that was also kind of trying to be sarcastic, but here's how it came out. Would you kill baby Hitler? And the truth is that no pro-life person on earth would kill baby Hitler, right? Because baby Hitler wasn't Hitler. Adult Hitler was Hitler. Baby Hitler was a baby, right? What you presumably want to do with baby Hitler was take baby Hitler out of baby Hitler's house and move baby Hitler into a better house where he would not grow up to be Hitler. Icky. That's one of the Icky. great clips we have, by the way. <laughs> Icky. It's a great clip. Icky. Yeah. Well, this is a little more extreme than that. This is, and this is what he does all the time. And a lot of guys do this all the time. And when you just hear it straight up, like I'm going to play it, I'm taking all the context away. Well, how much, how big is this clip? 24 seconds. Okay. Tw- 24 seconds is a long clip. And even without context, if you just take the long clip, you start to see what the problem is when you use sarcasm constantly to make your points. And the thing and what it is, what let me conclude what it is that happens is that you don't make the point. You assert something that should not be asserted. And in fact, you, you state something as fact. If you don't hear the sarcasm, it sounds like, what does this guy's nuts? But let's play this, and I'll explain later. And she should have to answer questions about that. And she shouldn't be able to shy away with, with answers like, oh, yeah, I fell deeply in love with Willie Brown when he was 60 and I was 30. Eh, yeah, that's, that's a thing that happens all the time. And there are lots of 60-year-old men. You know how many of them who are, you know, kind of middle-class schlubs who aren't powerful men in politics are getting 30-year-old up-and-coming law student girlfriends? Tons of them. Tons. Just it happens all the time. Yeah. Before, yeah. Explain it. Yes. I totally understand what you're saying. His sarcasm he said, shit. What he said is a lie. Yeah. But he what, what he was trying to do is be sarcastic about the notion that she was her and Willie make some sort of sense. But he didn't do that. He would just decided to become sarcastic and make that crazy commentary. And he ended it there. He didn't say at the after it was over. He didn't say, and I'm kidding, of course, because this never happens. Right, 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 right. He doesn't do that. He it, just assumes that you get the joke of yeah. his sarcasm, which is very poorly executed. The guy is not a comic. This you have hit on something. Uh, I don't know. It's important to me. I don't know if it's important to anybody else, but yes, this is the problem I have with Laura Ingraham, with Sean Hannity. With um, almost that oh the horrible uh, host who's on One America News, kind of the the cheap Tommy Laren knockoff. Tommy Laren, another perfect example. The sarcasm is so poorly executed and not necessary, and and it's it's almost um, it's condescending. Like everybody knows this, you know that, don't you know this? You listening to me, you know that. <laughs> That's kind of the feeling I get from it. And I think it's you're right very, about this. I, I agree 100% with everything you just said. It's condescending. It assumes that you are on on the same wavelength. 
Yeah. Uh, it's never explained. And it's and most of all, it is unnecessary. And it's, sarcasm is, is really a, a technique used for humor. It's it's very weak as uh, it, it's it's bad broadcasting. Yes, it's very bad broadca- broadcasting. Even Limbaugh, I don't believe, does it. No, no, it's the guys and gals I don't listen to. Yeah, you because know, that's and now I. You're right. That's why I tune out. Like, you know, don't, don't. Like, if like if we disagree, if there's a question, we'll actually stop talk about it. who is this, what do you mean, what you know. If you just do well, oh. and and by the way, it's not just there's one. You know, you had the other groups like uh, Pod Save America. They do this all the time, and and I think. Hey, you know what? What if we just everyone stopped the sarcasm? Stop with the Maddow, sarcasm. Maddow is miss miss sarcasm. It's also something that is on Twitter. This is you know, this is so important what you've hit on here. Everybody thinks they're a comedian, and the way people who are not funny um, exude their comedic stylings is through sarcasm. So sometimes it's kind of funny. So a tweet that says, "Well," a reply to something, "Well, this didn't age well." It was funny the first. 8,000 times someone used it. But in, in, in general, because, because of the time is, you know, you have limited character space or whatever people can't write anymore, they always throw in sarcasm, and it's not funny. It's not helpful. It is something that people, if you find yourself agree, here, this is what I would assert. If you find yourself agreeing with sarcasm like this a lot, you should check yourself. And you should say, oh, wait a minute. I'm just, because you're you're also, it's negative. You're being pulled into sarcastic crap. It's, I think it's like a a warning sign if you're, if you find yourself um, like listening or watching a lot of sarcastic uh, opinions. Yeah. And all the right wing guys, and I think a lot of the lefties at that level that you mentioned, the the Hannity's and this guy, this guy's the king of it because he uses it. I'd say half of his show is just sarcasm. Yeah. And And, and also shuts out any other thinking because, you know, if you have a different opinion and he said, well, this is just we all know that that doesn't have, you know, yeah, sure. Normal guys get, you know, 30 or younger. You know, it's like, well, maybe I have a different opinion, but I'm like, well, shoot. You know, I guess everyone knows it because he's even sarcastic about it. I must be an idiot. Yeah, there's that. that that's an element. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. So, so I'm wondering when I play this, I would like to play that clip again, by the way, just yeah. so people get a clue. Yeah. 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 Let's do that. And then I have a comment. Okay. And she should have to answer questions about that. And she shouldn't be able to shy away with, with answers like, oh, yeah, I fell deeply in love with Willie Brown when he was 60 and I was 30. Eh. Yeah, that's that's a thing that happens all the time. I know lots of 60-year-old men. You know how many of them who are, you know, kind of middle-class schlubs who aren't powerful men in politics are getting 30-year-old up-and-coming law student girlfriends? Tons of them. Tons. Just it happens all the time. Yeah, his, his sarcasm is not even good. Is that, do we do employ a lot of sarcasm on this show? I don't think so. I think we try to avoid it. I think usually if... Um... No, I think we do. Uh, I think we avoid it and, and probably... Well, I know I, you're a cyber, If I try it, you get irked. Yeah, I think I was just about to say, if I do it, you get irked. So I guess we keep each other in check. Hey, thanks, friend. <laughs> Don't make me look like a douche. And the other thing is, if there was sarcasm on this show, it would be... If it was done and it was humorous, like Shapiro is not... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it would the other person would laugh and that would give clue to the fact that it was a sarcastic comment not a not a factual comment because the way Shapiro presents that that little statement of his he state says it as f- if you don't hear the sarcasm, which is hard to do because he's kind of a – he has a machine gun approach to, to speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, if you don't notice it was sarcastic, you could take it as as him telling what he thinks is the truth. And you could say to yourself, does this guy actually believe that? I don't know anybody that's 60 that's hammering any 30-year-olds. This doesn't make any sense. I don't know. What, okay, well, what else has he got to say? I, ju- I It's a problem. It is, and and it's a very poor way to make a point. Uh, and I just realized one other place where sarcasm, it really irks me. And it's the, the troll room. If people are in there going, you know, uh, you know, sar- sarcastic one-liners, it, it's, it really, it, 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 well, I shouldn't have said it now because, you know, <laughs> now the, Here troll, they come. the troll room's going to do it. But you, you can really, it's like a Reddit thing. That's Reddit. That's, it's all sarcasm. Social media is sarcasm. It's not humor. It's poor and it's not healthy. How about that? Yes. And with that, I'd like to thank you for your courage and say in the morning to you, the man who put the C in condescending, John C. Dvorak. Well, I can't find my tube, so in the morning to you, in the morning little ships to see all the boots on the ground, the feet in the air, also the subs in the water, and all the dames and all the knights. All the dames. All the dames. All the knights. All the knights. All the names, all the nights that are out there. And in the morning to our very own trolls in the troll room, which is noagendastream.com. Uh, how many people we got in there today? Nice. See, we got a lot of people on the stream. Yeah, we're about a thousand. That's nice. People always check in, listen live, uh, hit the chat room, which we, of course, know is the troll room. Drop their sarcastic comments. Drop, they drop a sarcastic comment or two, see if they can rile me up. It's cool. You know, they're kind of like, I guess it's everyone's way of being the president where he'll sit at home or at home in the White House. He'll tweet something. And he sees it show up on TV three minutes later. And I think that's what people in the in the troll room are trying to do. Hey, let me see if I can irk Curry, see if he says something about it. It's kind of the same mechanism. Irk Curry. Yeah. Irk Curry. <laughs> that's a good show title. <laughs> and also in the morning to Darren O'Neill. Uh, Darren brought us the artwork for episode 1107. The title of that was Carbon Budget. And we had a hard time. There was a lot of different things we were looking at. I'm not quite sure what it was. But- yeah, Darren, you can tell when Darren comes in to uh, – Riley won the week before. Right. And I think there's a competition between those two and, and maybe some other. This is kind of like the competition between Martin J.J. and Nick DeRette. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know it's a real competition when they're complimenting each other after the show on Twitter for the person whose artwork did get chosen. Yeah. Great work. Here's mine. Great work. <laughs> so, but you know when Darren's out to win because he love doesn't submit a p a great piece. No, he, submits he submits like eight. forty pieces, <laughs> eight pieces in one go, all good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this was the NBC logo, which he dubbed nothing but crap. The Peacock lo- logo. It was just a. It was a. We also go for art. It doesn't always have to be funny. It doesn't always have to be. You know, sometimes it can be just pretty, just a pretty yeah, well, piece. Well, that's the Ram's Head one. Was, we picked it for that Ram's Head was, yeah, sometimes it's just for the art. But most importantly, this is a part of the value for value system that we've created here. We're 11 years strong. We're hundreds of thousands of producers. Everyone's a producer. Uh, lots of people produce things like artwork or like jingles or clips or just information. We have lots of stuff to talk about that from boots on the ground everywhere. And, of course, we also need producers who 
finance. And that's the ones we'd like to thank right here in our executive producer and associate executive producer segment. Just like Hollywood, we do it uh, uh, up front, more or less. It's not the end show credit. So we're very happy to thank the following people. Well, the guy on top is the only associate, uh, the only executive producer that came in this uh, show was Sir Carl of the Lavender Boss from 333.33 from Northville, Michigan. Sir Cal. Yeah, yeah. At a recent local one meetup, it has come to my attention that douchebags are amongst us. Amongst us. What? Please blast them all with the proper calls. <laughs> Wait, so at, here, a, at, at different people. Ready? Oh, he, oh, he has a list. Okay, yes. He's got a couple, all two right. different ones. Pat. Douchebag. And Kelly of Michigan Local One. I'm Douchebag. calling you out. I'm, I'm sorry. Michigan Local One, I'm calling you out because I care about you. <laughs> See, it's a loving douche. It's a love douche. Love douche. Thanks, Sir love Cow. Love douche. Sir Cow, lavenderblossoms.org for all your fine CBD products. Yeah, he makes good products. Great too. operation. Go public. Sir up in the Seattle, <laughs> sir up in Seattle, two thirty three dot thirty seven. I've stopped show eleven oh seven at two oh three dot forty, and broken out the PayPal to make my biannual donation one month in advance, based on the fantastic deconstruction of the government shutdown loan reporting scandal propagated by the M five M. That was in the last show. People yep. should go back and listen to it. it was it was absolute dynamite. I would be shocked if your cup doesn't run it over from the great work. Well, <laughs> that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Because it didn't. No, it didn't flow over, but it's okay. It's a- How disgusting these high-paid media shills are. You two should be getting all these M5M dumb holes aggregate salary. Well, I yeah, can't, we can't disagree with that. Uh, but we, we're... In- they may not be paid to be news people. Right. Uh, to all who don't donate, just give a five spot. It'll make a difference. No jingles, no karma for this donation. Just a hearty thank you. And thank you, sir. Up in yeah. Seattle. Appreciate that. Nice words. Anonymous two oh nine dot ninety. Now this was a uh, came with a note about uh, Sir Greg, and and he. This guy who will reveal himself at some future point. Everyone, a lot of people gave it. $20.99, and that started coming in. We had quite a few, and we want to thank all those folks for doing that. Uh, but he gave $209.90, and we want to thank him for should that. I, um, he said, heartfelt note. Yeah, should I put uh, that note in the show notes? Uh, you could. I think yeah, I can do I that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes uh, at the top. <clears throat> yeah. Under Greg. Sir it's Greg. a good note. It's a very, it's a heartfelt. Heartfelt, yes. Uh, he does have some. Wait, he does have some. He may want some. He does have some callouts for uh, jingles. Oh, and I'm that sorry. Okay. We have to go deal with. He says he needs a douchebag callout directed towards myself and a swift de-douching as I made my first contribution of two hundred nine ninety in honor of my amazing friend Greg. Douchebag. You've been de-douched. Uh, now I'd be absolutely furious with me. He would be ap- absolutely furious with me if I remained as sad as I am. So I encourage everyone to join me in true Greg fashion by taking a shot of bourbon, lighting up a joint, and saying to all, may the force be with you. If I could get any of Greg's jingles you can find, but namely his Putin, don't worry, be happy, Which or played. the fake news with the ping pong ball, and a classic karma for good measure. Keep up the good work. Uh, with the ping pong ball. I never, I don't know what that one is. Um, fake, fake, fake. No, that's not it. Fake, fake, fake. 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 You are fake news. This 
No, that's not it. We Riding have... up some fake news. No. <laughs> ah, wait. Trying to get cheap clicks and top page views. <laughs> Riding up some fake news. I got it, I think. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, it's propaganda time. Fake news. Made up false stories. Fake news. Unreliable source. Fake news. Sound bites and snippets. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news infects the left and the right. No, that's not it either. I don't know where the ping pong ball went. I feel you bad. Sure, it's not the one where he's, he's, he's some maybe some comment about fake news and Trump going bing bing pong. Bong, no, bong, no, bong. there's an actual. I remember there's a ping pong ball that that pops. Oh, okay. Uh, you know it's true. <laughs> this is fake news. Uh, you know it's fake news. <laughs> we got a lot of good ones. Yeah, we do. We're loaded. Hold on. Well, you can play the Putin Don't Worry, ah, Be Happy. Wait, maybe yeah. it's this one. This is the last one. The last okay. one. We already played Putin Don't Worry, Be Happy at the top, remember? Oh, right. Hey, hey, hey! You read that. Fake news. Nailed it. There it is. Okay. Ah. Good. Worth it. I don't even know that I uh, ever heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He wants a karma at the end. Here we go. Uh. You've got karma. Sir Isaac, Knight of the Firearms Instructors, $202.02. He's, I believe, up in uh, Tahoe area. And I have to get a hold of him because I want to take the kids up and go uh, shooting. Give him some some shooting. uh, Does he do uh, concealed carry licensing? I don't know. Get the kids that. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah yeah mimi's got one of course in washington, she does. in washington state at least for now you can just go and sign up with your local police department and get one. Oh, you don't even but need the class some laws because the place has been taken over by democrats and you have to have actually show that you can use a gun we yeah we have uh we have to take a class here yeah and closes my sanity check for the best podcast in the universe. I don't know how so many people misunderstand you or John when you plainly explain how the show works, such as Adam explaining why he likes AOC. I've been listening since the 200s, and I've never thought you were a fan of Trump, AOC, or any other nut job in any context outside of that person's utility for revealing how the media and political machine operates. I like Trump when he provokes the M5N into showing their hand. I liked Hillary for the same reasons, and I love the show for teaching me that. I sincerely think or thank you for your courage. Many people give up when they go up against such idiocy on a regular basis. I have a lot of respect for you too. <laughs> Can I please get a shout out from my website, firearmstrainingcentral.com, firearmstrainingcentral.com, a uh, directory for hundreds of firearms instructors across the U.S. and around the world. To that's good, great. Yeah, actually, you know, yes. Uh, the keeper and I would like to uh, get our uh, CC. So if you got an instructor, and the only here in Austin, you can you can get it at uh, at the range, but it's on Sunday. All these things are always on Sunday. So and you know, Tina has an actual job, unlike me, the podcaster. So yeah, if you can uh, recommend an instructor, very open to it. To all you gun owners in Gitmo Nation, you need to take a training class. Adam, I can recommend an instructor in Austin. Hello. Good. good. Excellent. Jingles. 
two to the head because it works and go <laughs> karma for my business. Yes, sir. Knight of the firearms instructor. You've got <laughs> karma. Was there because it works in there? I don't have it because it works. Oh, there is a because it where I remember it. Oh, hold on. I didn't realize that. Because it works? I really don't remember this. Oh, okay. It works. If you can't, if it's not there, it's not there. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I just remember something. Hmm. Maybe it's never been a Maybe he's just something. saying two to the head works. Yeah, of course. That's how I read it. Two to the head because it works. Of course it works. You shoot people in, in the head twice okay. and it works. I thought there was a because it works. Yeah. Lee Olivares, uh, $202.02. $200.02. And he just wants a bunch of jingles. Trains good, plus foamer, mm-hmm. plus sucking in soot. Appreciate your excellent work, my dudes. <laughs> okay. Let's see what we can. And karma or is a. It doesn't say karma. Doesn't say karma. Cup of karma on him. Yeah. All aboard. Train's good. Plane's bad. Woo-hoo. Oh, my God. Woo! Listen to that horn. Sucking in soot. You've got karma. A big Merv in Youngstown, Ohio, comes in with $200, second to the last in this list. I want to apologize to both of you for I have been a freeloading man overboard douchebag. Well, <laughs> that ends today. Yes. I am back on track and caught up with all the episodes and starting to listen when they are available for download. I've received, oh, I've realized that the show gives a nice balance to a heavy, hectic work life and is starting to keep me sane again. I am traveling today to Dallas for a job interview All right. on Friday and then with some company. Uh, <laughs> I like the way he does this. And I kindly <laughs> request a de-douching, yes. jobs karma, and some MILF karma never hurts. <laughs> yes. Keep doing what you do. Uh, this truly is the best podcast in the year. <laughs> You've been de-douched. one mother I'd like to f- jobs 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 and jobs let's vote for jobs yeah! you've got how much <laughs> a jingle fest I tell you <laughs> and finally that was Big Merv yeah uh, finally Jux- uh, Jackson Butler in Levelin, Texas 200 please de-douche me and knight me sir J- do, we, do we have him on the night list I think so let's double check we only have two I believe I beweave we got two. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, yeah, he's on the list. He will be okay, Sir Jackson Knight of the Transistor. Is he on the birthday list too? Uh, you're asking me so much today. So, uh, uh, what's his name? Jackson. Yes, uh, he's he is accounted for. He's on oh, the okay. manifest. Well, please deduce me because it's not a highlight. Well, he is highlight on one side, but not the other. Please deduce maybe. Oh, no, I see there's a light yellow there. Okay, sorry. Please deduce me and knight me, Sir Jackson, knight of the transistors, in honor of my 40th birthday on January 30th. Jobs karma for all. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we will be doing that later on. See you at the round table. <laughs> You've been deduced. Jobs, jobs, and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! You've got. And that concludes our list of associate executive producers and the executive producer for show 
eleven oh eight. Guess what? We got two shows left. It's gonna be eleven 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 eleven. Oh, you're right. 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, I'm always seeing 11, 11 on the clock. So you got to make a wish when you see the 11, 11. Thank you to our executive producers and our producer and our executive, associate executive producers. This is the value that we desperately need to keep the show going. Thank you for that. And we'll be thanking more of our producers, $50 and above in our second segment. And we have another show coming up. On Super Bowl Sunday, remember us at Dvorak.org slash N-A. And now that you have the definition of dingbat, go out there, spread the knowledge and the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. I should make one quick uh, statement. Okay. Bernie Sanders is a dingbat. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Eccentric okay, I just wanted stupid. to get that out of the way. Because you, yeah. Do you have any idea why I'd want to do that? Because you have a clip of Bernie Sanders saying no, something dingbatty? No, <laughs> no, he is a dingbat, though. Yeah. Because uh, dingbat is considered, at least around he- these parts, uh-huh. a sexist term only referring to women. Oh, really? It didn't yeah. say that in my dictionary. Well, you got to get a newer dictionary. Well, then let's do, let's play a dingbat. What was the definition again in California? It's a sexist term only applying to women. Oh, good. Here is uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Well, yeah. <laughs> Another one. And she, <laughs> she did this speech um, for her announcement of her uh, candidacy for president like an Oscar speech. It was so passionate. You only forgot to, to thank the Academy. <laughs> Listen to this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. continues to inspire us every single day because he believed in a set of values that transcends time and movements. He knew that only light can drive out darkness. And that we are all called to fight for others. Until now. (laughs) Until this person in the White House. Until now. Until our president has chosen to tear this country apart. Orange man bad. On every line, every division, every racial line, every religious line, he chooses to divide us community by community. He has inspired a hate and a darkness in this country that I have never witnessed myself. He is tearing apart the very fabric of who we are as a nation, our very common decency. And that is what we are being called to fight against. (laughs) My God. Wow. Yeah. Maybe a little exaggerated. Just a tad. Just a wow. tad. <laughs> hey, and then we had... Jeez, uh, get a hold, get a grip. Yeah, well, no one's getting the grip because Howard Schultz, as we know, the Starbucks billionaire, is going to run, and he would be perfect. Uh, we love billionaires. We love people who don't like Trump. And what? You're not going to run as a Democrat? What? What? This was a problem for the 
M5M. And, uh, well, I have to give them props. Supercuts did another compilage, if you want to hear that, of M5M freaking out about... Definitely. A lot of Democrats are freaking out. Absolute gift to Donald Trump. Growing controversy swirling around the billionaire visionary behind Starbucks. The man who... He could take away votes that would go to the Democratic nominee. Handing President Trump a second term. Many Democrats fear that could be disastrous. Who the hell elect Trump, you egotistical billionaire scares me yes. is that your entry into this race will guarantee Trump another four years. Number one, are you still a Democrat? And number two, why are you doing this? Even if it means hurting the Democratic candidate and helping to reelect Trump. And that's that's just a awful thing to do. Running as a third party candidate only helps Trump and maybe Putin. Two words for you, just Putin. don't. It doesn't get to be king just because he's so rich. No, I don't think you should run. Votes are so precious, as we saw last yes. time. I really do not think that this is the time for us to, to have an independent in this race. It would provide uh, Donald Trump with with his best hope of getting reelected. He doesn't quite grasp the, uh, the the depth of the impact that that decision would have. Donald Trump was not ago. all that concerned about the Republican Party. He ran because of hubris. Howard Schultz is suggesting he's going to run. Here's and that the is difference. The same. Uh-oh, Katie. You do realize that millions of people register as independent, and yet they still tilt one way or the other. I'm not for third-party candidates that could hurt the Democratic ticket. It is not the time. 2024 is your year. 2020 is not. What he's doing right now, I do believe, is very dangerous. We I cannot allow this to happen. There are billionaires, you need to find new hobbies. Now some Democrats are threatening to boycott Starbucks. Really? Vanity projects that help destroy democracy are disgusting. And he's there for the, so he's there for the right reasons, in your view. Without any party infrastructure, any party backing. I have respect for Howard Schultz. If he chooses to get in the race, I hope he gets in the Democratic Party. We'll, we'll, we'll treat him very fairly. And the last time this happened, it unleashed a tragedy the likes of which the world has never seen. <laughs> oh, what a mistake. You foolish man, you, thinking that you can represent the people of America. You can, but you have to do it the right way. You're holding it wrong. You You're have holding to. it wrong. Now, yeah. there's a lot of incorrect noise, certainly in the European uh, reporting on this. Uh, people are very baffled, and I, maybe in the U.S. as well, like, Wait a minute, I thought you only had a two-party system. Well, no. Uh, we have, you can, uh, anyone can run to be president. The parties is their parties. That's where you get your power and your money from. And so this is uh, competing agendas. You know, I don't know why they don't bring up that, that Bernie Sanders is an independent. Yes, he, and he got bamboozled into running as a Democrat. He would have run. He was too good. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he got suckered. He was too good, so they had to screw him over. And that wasn't just uh, the DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Clinton clan and the Hag, the Hillary assassination group. It was. Uh, it was the media. The media. Well, that is Hag, I guess. They completely ignored him. They. He had crowds as big as Trump. So anyway, so now you have Howard Schultz. Uh, I don't. I didn't know much about his background. Um, Delighted to see that he uh, came from the projects. I didn't even know that. He's a, got a great background. He's, I, well, I mean, it's not, it's not like, like I recommend everyone be, come from the projects. But yeah, he's, I mean, for a guy who made himself a billionaire. American his dream. His background's a pretty hard to story. beat. Yeah, but, no, but that's no, no longer. Donald that, Trump's dad involved. Yeah. 
so he has everything going. For, I have not heard anything about his policies. All I hear is, Bleh! so I, I have no idea what he stands for. He's not getting asked any questions that are being shown anywhere of any importance. It's just, oh, he's wrong. You're wrong, man. Boycott Starbucks. <laughs> Try it. Let me see the millennials boycott Starbucks. They'll go into shock from withdrawal syndrome. So, sorry. Sorry, Howard. You're, you're from old America, my friend. Because if he does successfully run, now I think people are right. It would split enough votes to uh, give Trump the upper hand. Well, you know, but crazy things could happen. A lot of votes away from Trump. Well, of course, that's the whole point. But who will then be left over? And maybe this guy's a great candidate. You know, I'd like to know more about him. I'd like to see him speak and let the guy talk a little bit instead of pounding his head down immediately. Yeah, it's pathetic. I mean, Ross Perot was the last one. Of course, this happened. Disastrous results. The world has never seen before because we got Bush. No. What no? When was that, that the was wait, that, when would, when did yeah, Perot run? Yeah, but that was with Bush. I thought that we I thought Perot first ran against Clinton and HW and we got Clinton. Uh, now I'm confused. Well Well then what are they what are they yapping about? And that, that would well, be the I strategy. I thought that it was that one of the yeah guys tro- tro- troll room the, not think, troll room confirms about Perot. I think they're talking about Nader. No, yeah, but uh, troll room confirms Ross Perot gave us Clinton. Well, that's yeah. the model right there. Then what's their problem? Yeah, one billionaire. I think that's what Schultz is even thinking. Huh. Well, so it, it, it could, no, their the reference was not. They never said Perot. Oh, I thought I thought about Perot. Nader. Ah, see, I didn't know this. Ralph Nader ran it, and he's the one who gave us Bush. Hmm. Okay, I wasn't in the country at the time. That's why I'm. A li- there's holes in my memory there. That's yeah, fine. It's, nobody right. But so it's in dis- it's disingenuous to say it was disastrous where it worked really well another time. I yeah. think everyone was pretty happy with Clinton when he uh, well, they when he Clinton. got in. Everyone yeah, I love Clinton. I love Clinton. You love Clinton. There's a song there. Yeah. Don't worry. It's time code. <laughs> it's a song, all right. It'll be in some mix in your future. Well, uh, that's odd because, you know, every, what is, just shut up. You, no one has, they don't have a candidate. It does, is it so important that it has to be someone who's a member of the Democrat Party? Is that, is it unthinkable to... I mean, isn't just the idea, get Trump out no matter what? Who cares? Nothing could be, anything is better than Trump? Isn't that the general idea? They should glom onto this guy. What is the party these days? I have no idea. I'm looking at these headlines, though. Why Schultz is the new Ross Perot? Howard Schultz would not be a spoiler for Democrats the way Ross Perot was for the GOP. Could Howard Schultz be the next Ross Perot? Yeah. Nobody's talking about poor Ralph Nader. <laughs> no. Um, I'd like to switch topics to Venezuela for a moment. We have a, a number of boots on the ground reports. We got quite a few, actually. Yeah, I have some 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 official clips. Yeah, but before we get to that, just to set the stage a little bit. Um, uh, see, I I love that. 
you know, we had a, we were talking earlier about Venezuela's or not uh, on a previous show about Venezuela's oil, and uh, I'm not quite sure what came out of our mouths, but uh, ultimately, yes, the Venezuelan oil uh, is in fact heavy, high sulfur crude. It's not the light Bolivian crude, and the refineries here in the U.S. are kind of set up to mix that with our much lighter uh, crude. No, to get it through the pipes. And uh, but we get this from one of our uh, knights, Sir Ryan the Refiner, and I've checked his credentials. He absolutely knows what he's talking about. So, and I will mention the reason you check his credentials because we, I think, about six, seven years ago, we had some guy who claimed to be in the oil business on a uh, rig. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I remember, remember that guy <clears throat> on a rig. Yeah, uh, but I here's uh, a brief summary. We re- receive multiple uh, similar reports, boots on the ground, people who live in Venezuela or other parts of Latin America. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of liked how how our first producers start off by saying, hey, you and John really don't know anything about Venezuela. That's okay. I don't expect you to. But here's, you know, boots on the ground. Executive summary. In Latin America, what's been going on from the 60s to the present day is a battle between the civilized world and the Castro and Cuba with help from Russia. I don't think there's any dispute about that. All guerrilla movements in Latin America have been and continue to be financed, trained, and supported by Cuba and the Cuban G2, now with Venezuelan money. Today, Venezuela is being run by Raul Castro and the Cuban G2. What's the G2, the Cuban G2? I don't know. know I'll look it up while you keep reading. Maduro legally cannot be the Venezuelan president because he was not born in Venezuela. He was born in Colombia. Six years ago, the elections were stolen, but because the intelligence agency. Ah, thank you. Uh, six, six years ago, the elections were stolen, but because they had money, they bought the international silence. That would be the M5M, and everyone's complicit with that, and military-industrial complex, oil, etc. Got it. In last year's fraudulent election, most opposition candidates were either in jail or in exile. Since they no longer had any money to buy the conscience of the world, uh, they, the world said, eh, we don't recognize these elections. According to the Constitution, the elected president must be sworn in to the National Assembly, and that did not happen. Today, the situation is that there is no president who was elected properly because the elections were rigged, so the president of the Assembly is, according to our Constitution, the president in charge with the mandate to make new election processes as soon as possible. Thanks to the efforts of President Trump and guys like Marco Rubio, With the support of the international community, it seems that the days of the dictatorship of Venezuela are over. So in this case, yep, believe it or not, the U.S. are actually the good guys. Now, and he has a a whole bunch of other things and other points that he makes. This is very consistent. And I don't know if it's consistent because everyone who is emailing us is uh, some kind of agent and is giving us false information. Sounds right. I pulled off of YouTube... Um, Joanna Hausman, and she lives in uh, Venezuela, and she gives a version of that backgrounder, uh, but better than I just did it. Short. 2017, the Supreme Court that was handpicked by Nicolás Maduro's party nullified and stripped the National Assembly, or Congress, of their powers. The National Assembly was chosen by vote and was the only government institution that was run by an opposition majority. Imagine when the Democrats took the House, if Trump was like, no, I don't like this anymore. The House is no longer a legitimate part of government. And here's another House that I made up with everyone that agrees with me. Americans would be furious. 
so too are Venezuelans. Venezuela erupted in protests. Hundreds of protesters, most of them teenagers, were detained, some of whom were tortured and murdered. Meanwhile, despite these protests, Maduro made his own Congress that he could control, just like that. Fast forward to May 20th, 2018, where this illegitimate Congress calls for presidential elections. Now, during these elections, the most popular opposition candidates are either jailed, exiled, or banned from running. In other words, there is no legitimate way for the opposition to run. So these sham presidential elections are held anyway by Maduro's government, where only 20% of the population voted. However, a lot of the 20% were public employees who were intimidated into voting by threats from the government. These were called illegitimate elections, not just just by the Venezuelan people, but by the international community. Interim President Juan Guaido has been backed by the international community. Yes, this includes the United States, but do you know who else backs Juan Guaido that isn't Trump? Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Germany, the socialist party that runs Albania, Canada's progressive prince, Justin Trudeau, <laughs> Australia, Paraguay, Peru, the government run by the socialist party of Spain, whose president said what is going on in Venezuela is the opposite of socialism. The list goes on. Now, for sure, this uh, Guaido, this guy is uh, one of ours. He's an asset. There's no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> but I think what is the script that is being followed here? He, by the way, we should mention he went to Georgetown. Yeah, Georgetown. George, yeah, Georgetown University Spook School. That's okay. Spook School. It's one of the major spook schools. Yes. So this is not atypical. Um, but I think they're following the Trump script, which he interestingly. Before he was uh, elected, he was still running. This is a video that he shot in his office. Remember when he used to be in his Trump Tower office and, you know, he'd, he'd do crazy little videos. And then he had the eagle that uh, tried to kill him, kill him. And then he had the taco bowl. And so this is this is one of taco his bowl, one right. of his famous. Uh, I like Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this taco bowl. bowl. Taco Bell. Uh, good times. Uh, it was good. It was fun back then, wasn't it? Uh, more fun than now. And uh, so he was talking about Libya and how Libya had been messed up. We had done it the wrong way. Uh, and it's not so, so forget Libya and what why it happened. And just here's the simplistic, straightforward thinking I believe is in play uh, for the U.S. and Venezuela, clearly with our guy. But we have to go in to save these lives. We should do on a humanitarian basis, immediately go into Libya, knock this guy out very quickly, very surgically, very effectively, and save the lives. After it's all done, we go to the protesters who end up running the country. They're going to like us a lot better than they will if we don't do it. More importantly, we're going to save lives. And we should then say, by the way, from all all of your oil, we want reimbursement. We should have said, we'll help you, but we want 50% of your oil. They would have absolutely said, okay, 100%. In fact, they would have said, how about 75%? So, and isn't it sad? We could have had anything we wanted. We could have had 50% of those oil fields. You know, in the old days when you had a war, it's to the victor belong the spoils. So, we could have had something special. When the so-called rebels came to us, we should have said, fellas, we're going to help you. We want 50% of your oil. They would have said, thank you very much. We have a deal. Write it down. Sign it. We have a deal. We would have been a rich nation again. They have tremendous oil reserves in Libya. Instead, we help. We get nothing. We're very, very foolishly led. 
I think this is a that's your strategy, and from a leadership position of the United States, doesn't sound very globalist and world friendly of me. But we have two other parties. If we don't do this, then China is going to overrun Venezuela. They are already in there. They have deals that are uh, not advantageous for anyone but China, and they don't, don't always play fair. The Russians, uh, who are in there mining, I think gold mainly, uh, they have thousands of mercenaries, is from the reports I'm getting, who are in there. I don't know if that's true or what they'll be doing. Um, but, you know, it's obvious that this is the strategy. And here is John Bolton, the uh, vicarious leaker on his yellow pad, uh, talking about the plan. We're looking at the oil assets. That's the single most uh, important income stream to the government of Venezuela. We're looking at what to do to that. We want everybody to know we're, we're looking at all this very seriously. We don't want any American businesses or investors caught by surprise. They can see what President Trump did yesterday. We're following through on it. Uh, so if you think of a company like Citgo, which is owned by Pedavesa, which is the state-run oil company there in Venezuela, we have a lot of those Cisco, Citgo assets right here in the U.S. Is that something, for example, sir, that you're looking at? Yeah, well, we're in conversation with major American companies now that are either in Venezuela or in the case of Citgo here in the United States. Uh, I think we're trying to get to the same end result here. You know, uh, Venezuela is one of the three countries I call the Troika of tyranny. It'll make a big difference to the United States economically if we could have American oil companies really invest in and, and produce the oil uh, capability in uh, Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of the United States. We both have a lot at stake here making this come out the right way. So that sounds like the plan. Troika of tyranny. Yeah. Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela. The Troika of tyranny. Had not yeah, heard like that. Yeah, I like that phrase. Uh, so Bolton, just as an aside, uh, John and I have done some research on him, some unrelated to this research. Um, now you, we know why a mustache like he has is called a porn stash. I mean, the guy is a little odd in his hobbies. Porn stash. Yeah. He has a seventies porn stash. Totally. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, and this, okay, there's something he knows. By the way, I'm all in on the, on our, uh, the guy who gave us the, the original briefing that's in the refining business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's possible he's in the information refining business. <laughs> As so and many of our friends. Some, <laughs> he works for some information refining operation. But I would say that I, I'll buy that whole thing. You know, I like this. The central information refinery. Yeah. <laughs> information I like refiners. that. The SIF. Central information refine. Uh, sir. Sir. Refine. So being in the refining business doesn't seems to me to be so geopolitical, but apparently it is now. So I but I buy that. I b believe that he is someone who is designed to give us this information properly. So now we have it. And I. And I I'm yes, I, I agree with that. I totally I, buy in. Yeah, I totally buy it. So I'm not having a problem with that information. I'm just questioning the real origins of it. Um now, the uh, we've had other people, and, and I also think his assertion that we don't know what we're talking about about Venezuela is probably true at that level. Sure. And now that's been corrected. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll say it's been corrected in one show, so it wasn't that we've been dragging it out. So it is the Central Information Refinery who we deal with. <laughs> I like this. This is new. This is very good. 
Information refinery. Perfect. Yeah. So they refined it and we got it, which is which is a plus. So let's listen to what the mainstream media has to say. Oh, yes. Uh, but let me before we play the quick Venezuela hit. And by the way, NBC made this a very quick 48 second hit. I have the whole thing. It's very short. Hmm. But before we do that, let's listen to the 43 second the, at the U.N., the U.N. Venezuela ambassador blasting the United States pulling every, everything out that he could. Venezuelan ambassador to the United Nations, Jorge Valero, blasted the U.S.'s hypocrisy blasted. on Tuesday. That's a little different than slammed, and it's way different than lashed out. Blasted is... Uh... Venezuelan ambassador to the United Nations, Jorge Valero, blasted the U.S.'s hypocrisy on Tuesday. What does this government want? This government that doesn't recognize treaty, that doesn't recognize any of the agreements made around Iran and signed by various European countries, that launches a trade war with China, that threatens Russia with a nuclear war, that attacks in a very sadistic manner migrants from Central America who arrive there, that has built a wall, a criminal wall, that sequesters children to make them suffer, children of migrants, and this government, this U.S. government, would have any moral authority to impose any diktat on Venezuela? Wow, man. He, he went to the wall. That's great. Oh, this guy, he just let it all hang out. <laughs> I liked it. But So here, here's the quick vent. This is the update the, the, from NBC. Uh, and I think they just want to keep the public this much informed and no further. Tonight, massive crowds supporting opposition leader Juan Guaido, calling for the ouster of Venezuela's embattled leader, Nicolas Maduro. It's a Cold War showdown. Guaido, supported by the U.S. and most of Latin America, challenging Maduro, bankrolled by Russia, appearing on Russian state television, thanking Vladimir Putin. Maduro even accusing President Trump of ordering a hit squad to kill him, trying to show military strength. U.S. officials again warning Maduro against any violence toward Guaido or Americans. President Trump tweeting that he called Guaido and reinforced strong United States support. This is not a U.S. initiative. This is an initiative for which all the credit belongs to the Venezuelan people. Tonight, the White House is tightening the financial squeeze on Maduro, blocking him from getting any revenue from his state-owned oil company. Oh, horrible. Orange man bad. So, Well, the Venezuelans that... Uh... Uh, are um, refining information to us seem to be very happy with it. And and noticeable is that none of them defend Guaido. They, they don't even talk about him. It's unimportant to them. Yeah. It's, you know, this, this narco state led by uh, uh, Maduro is, it's, it's pretty bad. Oh, it's been falling apart for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it started with Chavez when we tried to, you know, do deals with him, and then he went nuts and started doing a TV show. And, well, you remember Obama went over there and hung out with him, didn't he? Uh, oh yeah, and uh, oh, so did uh, Charlie, she not Charlie Sheen, but uh, Sean Penn, and all these right. people were hanging out with with old uh, Chavez. Yeah, and then as per Chavez, uh, the United States uh, intelligence services gave him cancer, and he died. <laughs> That's what he was always saying. Yeah, he said that CIA gave me cancer. Is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, he was possible. How old was he when he died? I don't know. Let's take a look. I really don't know. Not that old. He was uh, 70s, early 70s. Yeah. 
still he died at uh go chavez a funny looking guy uh, <laughs> now we don't laugh at appearances here on the no agenda podcast but do you have it yet I and mean, how long is this taking i am sorry consult the book of Okay, he was born uh, 54 and he died in 2013. And they don't put his, usually they put his age, but for some reason they don't do it with him. So 54. Yeah, he was in his 60s. Yeah, yeah so he was, 60, he was 64, 60. 63, 62. Yeah, it was not, well, not, not old no, at all. No, it would be 69, I think. Or it's 59. 59. 59. He also... Um, was young. He also knew about the earthquake machines that we deployed. He talked about that a lot. You know, weather modification. He yeah. he was very open about what the the tools that the elite. In fact, he didn't get to used. his birthday to age fifty eight. Oh, poor guy. Uh, yes, a very interesting piece of information came to me. As you know, I am. I have a hard time believing that we landed on the moon, and this is not going to be the whole segment about that, but there's enough things that point in the direction of no proof. Um, There's this issue with the Van Allen belts. You can look that up if you're interested. I think the the thing that bothered me the most is that 10,000 tapes, including not just all the footage of the uh, Apollo moon landing, but also all the telemetry data, 10,000. 10,000 tapes uh, were lost. NASA doesn't know where they are. It's it's annoying. And so over the years, you know, you always look for, I'm always looking for these little clues as to, you know, what what other bull crap have we been told about this if it didn't happen? Uh, It was just a couple of years ago that, um, I think it was the ambassador to the Netherlands who had had been, we had a moon rock. It was given either to the country or to the ambassador. And it turned out that moon rock was just a rock from Earth. Do you remember that story? There's, I vaguely remember, but you can't really talk about any of this without playing theremin, at least for the beginning. There we go. Now I feel better now. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's always the truth that is the strangest. Uh, so now... And that's what I would do, too, though. I, if I'm giving away moon rocks, which are worth millions of dollars, I would give a rock, just a rock. I have a lot of rocks in my backyard. I'd wash one off and... Here, right. Well, you could work for NASA. So now they discover there's a problem with one of the largest moon rocks ever collected. The mission brought moon rocks back to Earth. Well, now scientists have made an amazing discovery. Amazing. They think some of that rock came from Earth and could be four billion years old. Uh-huh. The Earth rock was discovered on the moon near the edge of the Cone Crater. It was part of the largest sample brought back by the Apollo 14 mission. It was nicknamed Big Bertha. So how did it get to the moon? Well, the theory is around four billion years ago, an asteroid or comet hit the Earth. The impact sent rock hurtling through Earth's primitive atmosphere where it collided with the surface of the moon. Back then, the moon was three times closer to Earth than it is now. Researchers say the rock, which is similar to granite, contains feldspar, quartz, and zircon common on earth but not on the moon when researchers took a closer look they discovered the rock is from the hadian time which shaped the solar system during the first billion years it's thought the rock formed about 20 kilometers below the earth's surface the extraordinary find means there could be other little bits of earth scattered on the moon a discovery that could help paint a better picture of earth's earliest days call me skeptical 
Yeah, there it is. Just feeding into your your feeding you. It's feeding you. It I is need the, more misinformation. I, need, I wasn't we looking get for this. By an asteroid, about once every seventy five million years or a hundred. There's some cycle involved with that. Apparently, there's a, one of the guys, one of the big shots, one of the superstar uh, physicists up at the uh, at the Berkeley Livermore Labs or whatever, Berkeley Lawrence Berkeley Labs LBL uh, has this theory. And because of the nature of, uh, of the die-offs, because uh, I guess as the, our galaxy goes through some other galaxy once every once in a while, uh, it goes through an asteroid belt. We get pelted and it kills everything. Oh, uh, yeah. The dinosaurs the last time this happened. And it kills most of mankind. I mean, we have all these issues that we have these kill-offs. If the, if the, if the, if the New World Order uh, <laughs> elitists aren't trying to kill us, then, you know, then the asteroid will. Happens anyway. But they don't feel like waiting for 75 billion years. They wanna, no, they, no wanna... they want to do it now because they think they can run things with uh, their uh, planned economies. Anyway, uh, so it's possible that this, this far-fetched story is true. Yeah, sure. Okay, it's good. I, I just... I'd like the central information refinery to at least inform me before I die. Just say, Curry, you were right. That'll just be, that's all I need. Don't you, wouldn't you rather meet some of the aliens that they have? Oh, I went through that scam already. Remember that? I was going to meet the alien. You were going to meet one of them. It was just a weird dude. Yeah. Weird dude (laughs) who wanted to get in your pants. Tasty. (laughs) Oh, gee. I totally missed the signals. <laughs> why, are you, why are you touching my? Okay, all right. Yes, we have to raise our vibrations together. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're the alien. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. All right, we have a short list. We have a few people that helped us out here, starting with Sir Sean in Mayock, North Carolina, or Mayock, North Carolina, $100. Charles Schultz, 8008. Uh, Jonathan Rose, 8008. He's in Illinois. And there's only 8008s on here, but I did have an Easter egg on the last newsletter, and he ah, says, I missed it. The Jew clicks on the Mossad agent meme. And discovers boobs. <laughs> Israel Uber Aleph. Love you guys, Sir Jono. <laughs> uh, Sir John. <laughs> Sir John of Israel. That's funny. It, yeah, of course. The guys in Israel are like, hey, Mossad, click. <laughs> boobs. He's in Net. He's not in Illinois. He's in Israel. Israel. I L's for Israel. Israel. Well, that so yeah. He's in Netanya. It worked. That was a really good one. Congratulations. It worked for one guy. So, is if if we entertain one person per newsletter, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, that's the old theory of everything. William Durkin, eight eighty dollars. He has an email that we should read, I suppose, but we don't. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Brian Klimzak in Naperville, Illinois. Illinois. He is in Illinois. Seventy five. Sir Allen of Mid Mid Midlothian, sixty one seventy three. He would like more details of Adam's life. Examples: Why, where, and how did he learn to fly rotary-winged aircraft? I'd like to know. It seems very suspicious to me. Oh yeah, that he ever learned anything? Did he? Did he really own and drive a Rolls Royce in the MTV days? Yes. Why did he drive it? Well, because I could afford it. Should no. he have had people for that? No. no why I, did you drive it? Why didn't you have people drive it? I couldn't afford people to drive it for me. <laughs> he was CEO of some company. Yes. Uh, think new ideas. Well, I was C T 
CEO of Think New Ideas, but founder. Took it public in 96. People don't know any of that stuff. He well, was rich for a while. Is, how no, long? They trying to, what is he trying to, what is he writing a book? <laughs> how, he was rich for a while. How long? How did he become poor? Well, back to the rotary, back to, back to flying helicopters. This is the point of the show when he says, John, <laughs> stop blowing on that recorder until you've made some effort to learn how to play. What? No, that's really Wait mean. a minute. That's an insult. I play this thing like, I mean, I'm, I'm the Benny Goodman. Hit it, baby. See, we're a well-oiled machine. Yeah, no kidding. Anonymous, a, a 6008, the lopsided guy. Uh, it's Salafism, not Salafism. Oh, really? Salafism. I, I, no, that's, I that's thought new it was Salafist. That's what I thought, too. I didn't know it was sol- Salafist? Salafist. That doesn't sound right. I need some. I need some. Backup. He says he's the Salafi, Salaf, the Salafi listener who's no longer a douchebag. Not well. Uh, he, he's if, he's the, is he, if he's the Salafi, I mean the Salafi. Salafi. Okay, I'm gonna. We need some some more input from our dudes named Mohammed, and there's plenty of them. Yeah, bring it. I thought it was Sal. Okay, well, we do have a Salafist on. That's good. He's keeping tabs yeah, on this. Good, good. <laughs> uh, Sir Knight of the Blue Water area, fifty six eighty nine. And that's uh, he also mentioned uh, Sir Greg Davies there. Yeah, we have a lot of Greg uh, yeah, uh, tributes. Lot. Robert Bruckner, fifty five fifty five. Jacob Hagen, fifty five ten. Baron Baba, High Point, fifty five ten. Stephen mm, Schnelker, I think, in New Haven, Indiana, fifty five ten. Then we have James Moore in San Pablo, California. Hey, San Pablo, one of the best run little cities in the Bay Area. So Mexican city, or Mexican Latino, Latin X, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a great, but you go there, it's like clean. It's, it seems like it's very well managed. It's really Latinx, especially compared to Richmond. James <laughs> Moore lives there. Uh, David Oliver in Calistoga, California, 51. Now, how, 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 does Calis- how, does, how does Calistoga compare to San Pablo? Calistoga? Calistoga is yeah. a beautiful little town uh-huh. north in the northern part of the Napa Valley. Winemaking town. They got. Uh, they got uh, hot springs. You can go there. There's a lot. Of, it's kind of a tourist place. Hot springs nice. and loose women. It's dynamite place. Uh, Baronet Sir Economic Hitman in Houston, Texas, 5001. The following people then are $50 donors, name and location if we have it, including Eric Dutro in Flint, Michigan. Michael, I'd like to get some reports from Flint, Yeah, Michigan. how's the water? Yeah, Michael Wingett in West Alice, Wisconsin. David Beck, uh, Becker, parts unknown. He said, I love it when you guys talk about technology. <laughs> yeah. And then a short list. We're done. With That's it? I, no, Aichi oh. Kitagawa. Over here in San Francisco. Oh, that's nice. Uh, he's the last fifty dollar donor, and he does it through a check through some system, and that's that's that. Okay. Very short list today. I'm very disappointed, yes. especially well, after that great deconstruction you did of the uh, whoever was that complimented you earlier. Yes, and and we did have a number of twenty ninety nines, but because they're under fifty, uh, we're always very careful, so we uh, don't want to. Uh, yeah, quite a few, and they're all self generated. 
Well, there weren't that many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There were eight. Yeah. Nine. Well, Nine. It's uh, it's appreciated. And everyone who supports the program in our value for value system, the only model that really seems to work, we've been doing it for 11 years and we expect to do it for at least another six months. We'll try to make it up to the 2020 election and then maybe a little bit beyond. But yeah. if, the, if the news stays like this, we may just have to give up and, and buy the farm. What farm? It's a very small farm in my case. <laughs> very, very small. A lot of land out there in Texas. That's what I would do if I were you. Oh, yeah. I'd buy like a 30-acre a spread with a farmhouse and then work on building that thing. I mean, you could probably get one of those pretty cheap. And you'd love it. I mean, but you got to check to make sure they have Google Fiber. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere there's Google Fiber, that's the corridor of expensive property. Uh, matters not. Thank you for those of you who are supporting us on uh, one of our subscriptions. Those are always great. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to see the whole community coming together. We have a fantastic network of value. And you can support that uh, for our next program, which will be on Sunday. Go to Dvorak.org slash N-A. I do have a couple of karmas here. One for, uh, let me see, um, where was it now? Oh, uh, Sir Lou the Shoe needed a jobs karma, and we'll also put an F cancer karma there. Jobs, jobs. Jobs and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! You got karma. It is the last day of January for 2019, and here are the birthdays for the 31st. Lauren Kate Mahmood says happy birthday to her boyfriend, Chad. He's turning 26, I think it's today. Jackson Butler turned 40 yesterday. Sir Big Johnson says happy birthday to his wife, Dame Elizabeth. She celebrates today. Happy birthday, Dame Elizabeth. Stephen Schnelker, happy birthday to his smoking hot wife. She has a birthday today. Josh Myers, uh, also smoking hot wife. She turns 34 today. His wife is Dana. Baronet Sir Economic Hitman uh, turns 30 today. And we have a uh, make good from Sir Brian Kaufman, for, uh, which we missed a couple of days ago. And Patrick Wolf accidentally got a birthday shout out uh, instead of for his son, Graham Wolf. And I think we've corrected it with this. So happy birthday from everybody here at the best podcast in the universe. Birthday, yeah. Long list of birthdays. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of Capricorns. Birthday, a lot of Capricorns. Day. That's right. Okay, we got, got to, right here. Got you right here. We got a daming and a night. Nice. A daming and a nighting. So step on up. Adrian Drenkhan. Step on up. Jackson Butler. Both of you supported the best podcast in the universe in the amount of $1,000 or more. That gives you a spot here at the coveted roundtable of our No Agenda Knights and Dames, and you get a title to go with it. So I hereby pronounce the Dame Adrian Drenkhan. And Sir Jackson, Knight of the Transistors. For you, we have Hookers and Blow, Rent Boys and Chardonnay. We've got Cookies and Vodka, Warm Beer and Cold Women, Taquito and Tequila. we got Single Malt Scotch, Early Times and BF4, Craw Ship and Cane Breaks, uh, Ginger and Gerbils, Sparkling Cider and Escorts, Bong Hits and Bourbon, Geishas and Sake, Breast Milk and Pablum, and there it is, Mutton and Mead, a roundtable favorite. So both of you, scurry on over to noagendanation.com slash rings. Uh, let Eric the Shill know. 
where to send said ring, the sealing wax, it's a signet ring, as well as your certificate. Also on the way, now that the new rings are out, um, Sir Greg Davies's ring will also uh, be sent to Dame Jennifer, and Dame Jennifer will be attending the Austin Meetup, which is on the 2nd of March, 3.30 p.m. in Austin at the Austin Beer Works. I don't know if anyone set up a, uh, <clears throat> a meetup.com for that. We do have a meetup. Before that, on the 22nd of February, man, it's like I'm a comedian doing gigs. I'll be at Chuckles in Des Moines, Iowa on the 22nd, 4.45 is when that starts. And I I forgot the venue. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, put it, uh, go to meetup.com. You should be able to find it there. But again, I'll put it in the show notes. It's interesting. Des Moines is the place where everyone goes to announce. Well, that's because they have one of the first uh, elections, <clears throat> the first vote of primary um, votes. They do one of the first uh, early, they do a voting right. before. So, so I'm thinking that <clears throat> me being there, I'll, I'll get the temperature. Now I'll, I'll know who's, uh, who, who people You'll, are thinking. Have you ever been to Des Moines? You know, I'm sure at some point in my career, I did an in-store appearance for the shitty Top 40 radio station, <laughs> but uh, I can't remember it. That's a great little town. <clears throat> yeah. So we, uh, we have a wedding the next day. Um, and so we're going there uh, early to uh, do the meetup. And we have, I think, uh, over 50 people scheduled already. I'm very excited. It's going to be great. Do a head count. Make sure to do a head count. Yeah. Yes, I'll do a head count. Make sure. Okay. We got a couple of things here. Since we were talking about uh, Venezuela, we, and we did mention uh, democracy now, of course, is the socialist news. And they're all against everything going on because, you know, leave that guy in. He was voted in for after all. Yeah. For, for, who cares where he was born? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Constitution, Constitution. <laughs> who cares about the Constitution? But uh, they did bring on this investigative reporter called Alan Nairn. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly to talk about this Abrams character. Who's this? The guy that uh, Trump just hired. Oh, the, the yeah, the guy, the Iran Contra guy. <laughs> yeah, the Iran Contra guy, the, the war criminal. Hey, if you want to do a coup, do it with the right people. Get some pros in there. So that you know, bringing this Elliot Abrams, bringing this guy in, it's kind of a red the, flag. It makes it look as though you know, even though uh, <laughs> you had that clip from NBC where where Rubio said, well, you know, we had nothing to do with this. And, oh, yeah. and other people say this, we don't have, we didn't trigger this. It wasn't some, we didn't have Hillary's hitmen go in there and do anything. Uh, it just started spontaneous, not spontaneously, but the Venezuelan people got fed up. Uh, but if you're going to make it look like we did it, then, then you bring hire that Abrams character. Now, do you think that Bolton hired him? Because I, I still don't understand what Bolton is doing uh, in Trump's orbit. I don't either because he's a neocon and Abrams is a neocon. These are warmongers. These are the kind of guys that Trump always bitches and moans about. Yeah, it's that's but, uh, not yeah, very not very de swampy of him. No, not at all. But let's listen to what Nairn says about Abrams uh, on democracy. Now he just reads. He gives us the the backgrounder that is worth listening to. Abe was the key man in Reagan administration policy towards Central America when uh, that administration was abetting uh, what a court recently ruled was a genocide in Guatemala. 
when the U.S. was backing uh, the army of El Salvador in a series of death squad assassinations uh, and, and massacres, and when the U.S. was invading uh, Nicaragua with a Contra force uh, that went after what uh, one U.S. general described as uh, soft uh, targets, uh, meaning civilians, things like cooperatives. Uh, Abrams later came back during the George W. Bush administration, joined the National Security Council, and was a key man in implementing the U.S. policy of backing uh, Israeli attacks against uh, Gaza uh, when the U.S. refused to accept the results of the Gaza elections, uh, where uh, Hamas defeated uh, Fatah in a vote, and instead uh, Abrams and company backed uh, a, a war operation to overturn the results of the election, uh, backing the forces of uh, Mohammed Dahlan. Uh, some commentators have said, uh, well, Abrams is not a Trump guy. He represents traditional established U.S. foreign policy. Uh, and that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which the oil business is also traditional American U.S. policy. Yeah, so the guys they they brought this guy in for a reason. He's obviously a hitman. How much do you how much do you think Tillerson had to do with this before he got ousted, or did he screw something up? Because he must have been all over this. This has a this is a Tillerson type operation. I mean, he's he would be the guy for that. I have no idea because I always got the sense that Tillerson never got any direction, never really took any initiative. He's just a bumbler. But I, who knows? Hmm. I mean, as the oil guy, you'd think he'd be all over this. Maybe he didn't do anything with oil because fearful that someone would call him out for being conflict of interested. Conflict of so, interested. Yeah, yes. Conflict okay. of interested. Yeah. So Abrams apparently was on Charlie Rose in 1995. I got this clip. Ah. And he was with with uh, the same reporter, this guy, who apparently had been at each other. So it's, I kind of – Accept this reporter's take on things because if you look into him as being like compromised, you know, went to Georgetown and went to, you know, this Yale Law, and then he went. No, he didn't do any of that. He was just a his background. He wasn't stationed in Berlin and then stationed in Tunisia. None of that. He's just an investigative reporter who <laughs> seems like he doesn't. He's totally disconnected from the intelligence. Oh, cool. Front run these guys. <laughs> as long hey, you got to fake it till you make it, right? So this guy was on uh, with uh, Abrams on Charlie Rose, and he said, said he should be tried as a uh, war criminal right there on the show. It was dynamite. I mean, I think you have to be you have to apply uniform standards. President Bush one took, once talked about putting Saddam Hussein on trial for crimes against humanity, Nuremberg style tribunal. I think that's a good idea. But if you're serious, you have to be even handed. If we look at a case like this, I think we have to talk, start talking about putting Guatemalan and U.S. officials on trial. I think someone like Mr. Abrams would be a fit uh, a subject for such a Nuremberg style inquiry. <laughs> But I agree with Mr. Abrams that Democrats would have to be in the dock with him. The Congress has been in on this. The Congress approved the sale of 16,000 M-16s to Guatemala in 87 and 88. Hold on one second. I did before because they voted more military aid than the Republicans asked for. Again, I invite you and Elliot Abrams back to discuss what he did. But right now. Thanks, Charlie. But I I, 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 I
it is ludicrous. It is ludicrous to respond to that kind of stupidity. This guy thinks we were on the wrong side in the Cold War. Maybe he personally was on the wrong side. Uh, I am one of the many millions of Americans. Right. Mr. Abrams, I don't we're, we're on the wrong side in supporting the massacre of, of no. peasants and organizers. What I want to do is fo- I want to ask the following Absolutely. question, and that's a crime. That's a crime, Mr. Abrams, for which people should be tried. You no, have to yes. right. We'll put all the American officials who won the Cold War in the dock. You know, it's never too late. You know, the funny thing is this Abrams was and Charlie did nothing about this. He, <laughs> Abrams made the point that it was the Cold War that we, we went and massacred a bunch of people in Guatemala and it's kind of screwed up that country. It, it, what did it have to do with the Cold War against Russia? I mean, he's and then he end he says, hey, this guy, you know, he's against the Cold War. I mean, he's against being on our side in the Cold War. It's got nothing to do with it. And and Rose said zip about, hey, well, we're not talking about the Cold War. We're talking about Guatemala. No, no, that didn't happen. So this guy. But anyway, I thought it was a very funny exchange. And nobody's, you know, nobody's going after Abrams. Again, it's never too late. We can still do Nuremberg trials. They're fun. Yeah, they won't do it. <laughs> Nuremberg trials are great. Yeah, it's not happening. Hey. Uh, I come from the front lines of technology to discuss something with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been uh, messing around with a pie hole. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a great name. Uh, pie hole is a uh, software package that's open source. You can download it and install it. Typically, you run it on a Raspberry Pi, which is the very inexpensive $25 computer that's pretty much complete. It's just a, uh, just a board with some chips on it, but it has, you know, you can get it with Wi Fi and, you pretty much plug it in, you you burn a SD card with the, whatever you need, you stick it in, and the thing kind of works. I mean, you anyone can do this, uh, certainly with a little bit of help from some of the people in the No Agenda uh, Value Network if you needed it. Now, so what this does is it it you, you load block lists, which are also open source, put together by communities, people who are uh, looking at things that are spying on you mainly. So... I think it initially started as a way to block ads on your home network. And that turned into blocking not just ads, but trackers. And it is because I've been watching the logs go by. First of all, my internet is sped up by 20% feels like just because I'm not loading all this crap anymore. Um, But I was very surprised. I was reading on the uh, pie hole Reddit that uh, there's also a way to stop Roku from tracking you. And I've been reading what the Roku box does. Holy crap. It scans your network every minute and reports to back to home base. It has 25 different tracking servers it reports to. And it reports, you know, stuff like your, your network card, your NIC card uh, information, you know, it, it, what, what kind of devices you have. It's reporting a lot of information. And so I'm like, well, I'm, of course I want to install these. And usually the block lists have everything so that it'll just still work. For instance, Tina still uses Instagram. That doesn't work anymore. Facebook, Instagram, that doesn't work in my house anymore. You, it, you, know, you block the, the tracking server, which is graph.instagram.com, and it stops working, which is fine. We're all happy with that. But the Roku, so I'm looking at this thing. The Roku is, it's not activated. It's just, it's, it's on, but I'm not even watching TV. I'm watching the log file of the pie hole. John, I touch the remote. Immediately it starts reporting back. Just, I just touched it. There's an accelerometer or something in it. 
Yeah, uh, actually, there is. The remote on the Roku acts as like a Wii controller. Ah, okay. Well, so and it can be used. You, you can turn on a pointer on the screen, and then ah. by moving the, the uh, remote, you can move the pointer around on the screen. So that, but what it's so doing. It does, have, it does have those capabilities. Okay. Well, it's also reporting that immediately. <laughs> it's like, hey, someone touched <laughs> me. Pay attention. What's he doing? How's he holding? Is he standing? Is he sitting? Is he close? What's he doing? So I'm like, yeah. holy crap. Pretty much. And so you know, you'd be very surprised what kind of spying is going on. Microsoft Windows is unbelievable. Why does Bing have to be talked to every minute? And you know, I don't even use Bing. My browser's not even open. It's talking to Bing. There's all kinds of stuff. Block, 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 block. And then I come across, so you know, this is the, the world we live in. We're tracked just by all kinds of stuff. And you have no idea what, what really is going on except building great profiles of you. And then I read a very interesting story, which I want to peg at a timeline in history as maybe a tipping point, very important. Facebook is now in some hot water because they uh, had an app in the App Store which included a VPN. And the concept of this app, and it wasn't the regular Facebook app, uh, is that if you downloaded and installed this app, um, the VPN would, with your knowledge, spy on everything you're doing on your phone. So anything that's running all went to, through Facebook. So you, you have to envision it as your phone's connected to the Internet, but it has a, a tunnel straight to Facebook. They analyze everything, what every app, you know, GPS information, accelerometer, just you name it. And then, of course, it connects you to the Internet if you're, if you're using it. And they were paying people for this. Um, now, Facebook uh, or Apple... Uh, told them to stop that. They stopped and they they did it again by putting it into some research app and kind of hiding it. And now Apple is like, oh, you're kicked off. Their apps haven't been kicked out of the store, but they've lost their developer certificate. So there's all kinds of feuding going on for something that Facebook was very open about. They were advertising mainly to uh, teens, millennials. So not just teens, but millennials. Um, $40 a month if you install this app so we can track everything you're doing. And um, this, is the, this is the tipping point. There were 10 million people who at one point or another signed up for this program to sell all their data, everything they're doing, for $40 a month. <laughs> and while this has created outrage, I think it is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, 10 million people for putting a price on data. I mean, I'm sure that there are companies who would pay $50 for you to yeah. do this. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, some combination. This is turning the model upside down. And I don't think anyone sees it yet, but I feel that it's a very interesting opportunity to turn the spying around into, no, I'll give you my data for X amount and under these conditions. So I, I think this is being misinterpreted. I think it's a fantastic thing that has taken place. It is the first step where consumers are, may be able to get the upper hand. It's almost like carbon pricing. You know, we're still waiting for a price on carbon. And now we have a price for your data and your life, uh, your digital life. $40 a month. It's a good start. Well, the way you... Uh, provide us with this information the way you put it out there I think you're uh, on to something 
So, I like it too. I think it's a fantastic idea that everyone get all bent out of shape about. It. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is great, people. Are you kidding me? We just, need, we just need more companies doing it. And I think that there's lots of people who would say, yeah. I'll give something away. For 40 bucks a month? I'd take a 40 buck thing if I could, uh, yeah. 500, Go ahead, 500 a year? Yeah, exactly. Me, I don't even use my phone. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, the, the, the new uh, Johnny English movie with Mr. Bean. Oh, uh, It yes. talks about this. The whole movie is about a guy who's a uh, Silicon Valley uh, data monger. Oh, really? Yeah, and what? he's, he's going to take over the world if we don't stop him. And, you know, this bumbling what's, spy. What's the name of this movie? Johnny English something. It's the new Johnny English movie. It's like this guy, uh, Atkinson, Rowan Atkinson, Rowan Atkinson, the actor, yeah. has not done anything for him, I can tell, for 10 years. But I would say this movie just came out. Huh. Uh, Take a look. I'd say that this movie, well, let me see if I can find the, the full name of it. It is Johnny English something. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a... Uh, um, is it on the on the... John, uh, on the Johnny Netflix, English strikes again. Is it on the Netflix or the Amazons? I don't think so. In theaters? You saw it in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Johnny English strikes again. Uh, they give it two, three out of five stars. Nobody likes the movie because they, they hate the actor. Well, this is all there also one or two bits in here mm-hmm. that, uh, as as a as someone who admires good writing. Mm-hmm. There's at least two bits in here, one in particular, that is it's just like you go, oh, my God, why didn't anybody think of this before? Uh, where he puts on a uh, – people see this. I won't even give it away, but he put – let's just put it this way. This is where the bit starts. He puts on uh, some VR VR thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then you, it goes from there, and it's very entertaining. I, I thought it was a good movie. Excellent. Well, also, um, several people pointed out that you know, we're talking about 5G, um, that the Kingsman 2 had a variation of this. You know, everyone has a phone, it controls you, and then you know, a central point can kill you. If you Did you see Kingsman 2? You know, I, I have not seen Kingsman 2, oh, and I, oh, and I oh, should have because I really like Kingsman 1, yeah, which was to. similar where they put little implantations in everyone's head and you could blow their head off if they were yeah. disobedient. Yes. This is it's a it's a very good point. And uh, the best part of actually we have so many network uh, admins, dudes named Ben who have checked in a couple of things I've learned. One, 5G is actually the protocol. Um, So that's what AT&T is doing is they're rolling out 5G on 4G radios, which go up to about six gigahertz. Um, the, the, the other thing about 5g is because it's being made into this national emergency, which, and I have my thoughts about that. You know, we, we, if we don't have 5g, we're all going to die. Cars will not drive automatically. Your fridge won't know how to order the milk. You know, all the stuff that, that we've been promised, you know, the flying cars, all of this will be possible with 5g. Um, it's such an, an emergency that the, uh, I think the push is to make it national infrastructure. Already, it's very simple for the telecommunications companies with today's regulations to put these things anywhere they want. And if you make it part of you know, our, our national infrastructure, they can do pretty much whatever they want. So they're just getting their boxes in. It's about getting your boxes in close. 
we're looking at some of these uh, higher range 5G uh, cell systems, anywhere from 60 to uh, over 100 watts. And, and at the higher frequencies, that'll be interesting. Um, but we do have a possible rollout. Yeah. It'll be interesting when the birds, when you notice there's no more birds in your neighborhood. That's, oh, that'd be great. We have grackles here in uh, in Austin. Which oh, are grackles very, are funny. No, they're very scary. They're annoying. They sit on the tree at night. They make the noise. Evening. Yeah, but they just sit there looking at you. All, all down 2nd Street, every tree is, it looks like the tree's black, but it's just the birds sitting in there. They're creepy. Um, of course, the first people to Adam fry. Adam hates birds. I do. No, I don't. I don't. I really don't hate birds. Anyway, the first 5G rollout of some significance. Where are we going to fry people first? Let's go down under. The U.S. unveiled sweeping charges. Oh, shoot. This one, I mean. <laughs> and today we are very proud that we are bringing the very first application of 5G using our new 5G network to provide this new home broadband service. We are proud to be able to bring this to residences across Australia, starting right here with two suburbs in Canberra, in the Dixon suburb where we're at, and Manika, and one in Glendening in Sydney. And gradually over the next 14 months, in capital cities across Australia and in regional cities, we will be bringing this Optus 5G home broadband service as we deploy 1,200 base stations by March 31st, 2020. All right, Canberra, you'll be on the Barbie. <laughs> you'll be on. You'll be the. You'll Barbie. be the Barbie. <laughs> now, I've I've really been thinking about this 5G, and in the world of growth where every industry has to continue to expand and grow and we're seeing the the strains of this like healthcare you know prices are so overinflated why because these companies need to grow they need to do more every company needs to grow and i think that this this religion this 5g religion is 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 really going to come down to that and the fight with china yeah we have a trade war but really, it surrounds the, even the trade war, the stealing of technology, all these accusations. It comes down to 5G, who's going to be in charge of it, who's running it, who runs whose network. And the Wall Street Journal had a decent breakdown of the, the 5G war, uh, which, uh, as you probably figured out, is... Uh, includes Huawei in China. The U.S. unveiled sweeping charges against Chinese tech giant Huawei on Monday, formally accusing the company and its affiliates of stealing trade secrets and violating Iran sanctions. The nearly two dozen charges were filed in two separate indictments. First, in Washington state, authorities charged Huawei with stealing technology from T-Mobile. The investigation stemmed from a civil suit brought by T-Mobile in 2014. Back when Huawei supplied phones for T-Mobile, the company said that the Chinese firm stole secrets about its testing robot named Tappy. Huawei entities directed employees to take photographs, take measurements, and take other protected information without permission. And finally, 
When all this still did not get them what they were looking for, they tried to steal Tappy's robotic arm in order for engineers in China to replicate it. Now, the Justice Department is alleging that the theft was part of an organized effort and that Huawei even paid bonuses to employees who successfully stole confidential information. Huawei has denied wrongdoing. And second, in an indictment unsealed in Brooklyn, the U.S. alleged that Huawei, its chief financial officer, and two of Huawei's affiliates were involved in violating U.S. sanctions against Iran. Huawei, through its executives and others, repeatedly claimed to U.S. government officials and various banks that the company, its subsidiaries and partners operated in accordance with U.S. sanctions and export laws and in accordance with EU and U.N. sanctions. As charged in the indictment, those claims were false. The indictment includes charges against the company's CFO, Meng Wanzhou, for her personal involvement in misleading financial institution. Miss Meng is the Huawei founder's daughter. She was arrested in Canada in December and is fighting extradition. The U.S.'s global campaign against Huawei has enraged China. And the latest indictments are likely to escalate tension between Washington and Beijing, just as trade talks are set to resume. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross tried to make it clear that these charges are separate from trade discussion. To be clear... These indictments are law enforcement actions and are wholly separate from our trade negotiations with China. Huawei products have largely been blocked from the U.S., but even without access to the U.S. market, Huawei is the world's largest maker of telecom equipment and the second largest smartphone company after Samsung. Huawei poses a threat to the U.S., officials say, because it's positioning itself as a global leader in 5G, the ultra-fast wireless technology that will soon be connected to everything Thing, but that could also be vulnerable to cyber attacks. So, so the more I think about this and the more I hear these types of reports, I think that the, the move has got to be towards some kind of nationalization or some way to, uh, to get it subsidized by the, the treasury, basically, to, port, to print money, to, to smother the Chinese or whatever it is. Somewhere we've got to bring this to a national level. And all this other stuff may just be window dressing. I'm sure, you know, Chinese have a different culture. They don't care. Everything's from the people, so they don't see it as stealing, to paraphrase. No, this is, I was told this once years ago by a communist when I was in the Soviet Union. They said, we believe that all intellectual property is the property of the people. Right. And that's the Chinese thing, too. And they're, okay, well, they, they only pay lip service. To right. our notions. Right. But this 5G, there's a lot riding on it. You know, it's like, I think healthcare is also, you know, the insurance industry. Let's call it, call it the healthcare industry. It's big pharma. It's bankers with, in, with insurance. It's all of this. I, I think that their, their version of growth, and maybe this is why it's happening, is let's give everybody free healthcare that the government pays for, and then let's let a lot of extra people in. <laughs> It's just, it's like, you know who's going to win. It's not going to be the taxpayer, but someone's going to make out like a bandit because they expand it to an infinite number. Free health care and bring in all kinds of extra people. Let them just run in. Yeah, that's, a, that's a formula for success. <laughs> it's a winning success. <laughs> uh, but of course, you know, some people also take it a little too far. This Sackler family which is, this is not something that is in the news a lot because it's pharmaceutical. And, the, and I was surprised to see this on Good Morning America, but they did a piece about Purdue. Purdue is the company owned by the Sackler family uh, that uh, owns the patents on OxyContin. 
and who, well, the report explains how brazen these people are. Michael, good morning to you. The National Safety Council says Americans are more likely to die from an accidental opioid overdose than a car crash. This morning, the Attorney General of Massachusetts is accusing the billionaire Sackler family of contributing to the epidemic, saying they knew the risks but pushed the drug anyway. The complaint alleges certain members of the Sackler family, who are worth $13 billion, were aware of the dangers of OxyContin but continued to push sales. According to newly filed court documents, when OxyContin was first released, Richard Sackler, Purdue's former president and son of the company founder, is quoted saying at a company event that the launch would be followed by a blizzard of prescriptions. The complaint also says years later, as evidence of widespread abuse of OxyContin began to mount, Sackler urged the company to blame addicts, allegedly writing in an email, we have to hammer on the abusers in every way possible. (laughs) They are the culprits and the problem. They are reckless criminals. (laughs) Purdue Pharma telling ABC News the attorney general has cherry-picked from among tens of millions of emails and other business documents produced by Purdue. The complaint is littered with biased and inaccurate characterizations of these documents. Purdue and the individual defendants will aggressively defend against these misleading allegations. Now, Purdue Pharma's statement goes on to say that we continue to fight for balance in the public discourse so that society can simultaneously help pain patients in need and create real solutions to the complex problem of addiction. The company and Sackler family are facing dozens of other lawsuits across the country. That's nice. Kill people, blame them. (laughs) Well, the worst part about it was the idea of uh, behind OxyContin and their sales pitch was it's not as addictive as morphine (laughs) or any of the other. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, so, so they went with the sales guys. This stuff's not as addictive, so you can just go ahead. Prescribe. Write, yeah, write it up. This, write it up. It's by all the way, good. this is the thing that, and this also has some ill effects to certain people. I mean, Rush Limbaugh got strung out on oh, this stuff. Oh, big time, yeah. And, of course, he used to be a big anti, you know, he used to be a big talker about people getting strung out and they were criminals. Oh, really? Oh, really? But then he stopped talking about it. But it made him deaf. Yes. And... It, it has that effect of overdosing on or taking too much of this stuff. It apparently just blows out your ears. I, did, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that's where his deafness came from. I, that's interesting. I didn't know that's that. That's what everybody thinks. And huh. I heard his show before he got his uh, whatever. He had some some operations to get his hearing kind of back. Well, only it's not the same. But he there was a period of time where I heard him when he was deaf, still doing his show. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't hear himself very well, and he did not sound anything like Rush Limbaugh. It was right. really – I'm thinking, who's this guy? Yeah, now he has the uh, the implants. Yeah, he's got some implants, and so now he sounds like himself again. But he mm. didn't sound like himself when he was just flying blind, as it were. And uh, it was a very interesting voice he had. It was not – it was not as bombastic. It mm. wasn't. It wasn't. He's got a great voice, so it's. So I guess. That. I guess it. It. Uh, you lose the hair in your ears, which is exactly what makes you hear. That eh, could be. It's not good. It's not good stuff. What Viagra makes you blind? Oh, oh, John. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? What are people telling you in that chat room? All right, how are we doing? Uh, we're done, actually. Unless you well, want to. I got that funny one. Then. Okay, bring one more. This is be this is the this is a shorty. This is only uh, I don't know eight seconds. This is a man on this. Just from a man on the street 
thing that was done by some podcaster. And he was, uh, of course, he laughs a lot at the end, which makes it funnier. But this is a question, a man on the street question about what is the Cold War? Uh, I'm trying to find it. It's a Cold War question. Ah, okay, gotcha. Cold War. What was that about? Freeing the slaves. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. What was her answer? Freeing the slaves. Cold War. What was that about? Freeing the slaves. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. We really don't deserve to be a country. <laughs> freeing so, the slaves. Freeing the slaves. All right, nice. All right, everybody. Um, that's it for uh, today's deconstruction. I think we've brought you a lot. We didn't get to the uh, the Roe v. Wade conversations. I'm sure there'll be more outrage over that. <clears throat> it's all posturing. It's all for votes. It's all about the election, and it's quite disgusting the way it's being presented on all sides. Sunday, I think we should uh, try and shed some light and deconstruct what's going on there. And I'm sure you'll be here then. Uh, yes. Yeah, you got time? Okay. Yeah. I will be, be here, here as well. I'll be here. You'll yeah. be here. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, be here. here. I'll be here. Will you guys be here? Hey, you. Will you be here? Coming to you from downtown Austin, Texas, capital of the Drone Star State, here in FEMA region number six on all governmental maps in the 5 by 9 Cludio in the Common Law Condo. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's supposed to be Three days of rain. Uh, We haven't had... uh, It's not raining, so I think they're wrong. I'm John C. Dvorak. We return on Sunday with another best podcast in the universe. Uh, Thanks to Mixmaster Rulfi, Tom uh, Starkweather, and Alex, and L-O-B-G for our end of show mixes. Adios, mofos, and such. Does an 18-ounce box of Cheerios cost? 
like an 18 ounce box of Cheerios. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Here's the deal. I don't eat Cheerios. Here's the deal. So, so, Donald Trump, have you ever used a coupon in your life? Well, I've never even gone to a uh, really a food market with my wife. So no. So yeah, he said so. Why? So yeah, he said so. I don't eat Cheerios. I'm sorry. Okay. Never heard of it. I worked out a lot. Ate a lot of Wheaties. But, I mean, let's look at the facts of what I've tried to say. I don't eat Cheerios, I'm sorry. Okay. Never heard of it. You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture on a card. You need ID. So, yeah, he said so. Why? You need ID. Never heard of it. So, yeah, he said so. Why? You need ID. I don't eat Cheerios, I'm sorry. Okay. Never heard of it. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And now, some good news.